And welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are, you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed your holidays. Uh, of course, it was full of basketball, and we will certainly be plenty to talk about there very, very soon. We hope you're, uh, uh, in the meantime, can uh, enjoy um, the show. We got lots to cover. Sorry, a little rambling there as we get going here. Um, lots to talk about. Uh, we're calling this our Stuff to Start edition of the show because there's just that much to talk about. Um, certainly, um, you know, we've got controversy, we have upsets, we have crazy top 25. The, the first official week of the top 25 will, uh, come out tomorrow for d3hoops.com. Uh, so lots to cover and lots to talk about. Um, if you want to interact with us, of course, don't forget, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Don't forget, join us on Twitter, twitter.com slash hoopsville. Or I should say at D3 Hoopsville. <laughs> Hashtag Hoopsville, but Twitter.com slash D3 Hoopsville. You can also email us hoopsville at D3hoops.com. Uh, we are, excuse me, oh, technically two weeks. What, what, two weeks plus into the season at this point? Yeah, two weeks and two days. Plenty to talk about already. Certainly things that have caught the headlines, and we will try and talk about some of it. Not all of it can we actually um, discuss because we don't have a lot of information, but we will do our best. Nonetheless, top 25s, chaos, as expected, especially on the men's side. New top 25s, again, will come out tomorrow. And plenty, plenty more. Uh, let's talk about our guests tonight. Uh, we will talk to one team that is turning heads early on in the season. The NACC is 4-0 against the CCIW, and two of those games are thanks to Benedictine, who have beaten two top 25 teams, Illinois Wesleyan and Elmhurst. We'll be talking to the Eagles head coach coming up here very soon. Um, also, we'll be talking to, um, well, on the men's uh, uh, I should say there's a basketball tournament up, up in western New York that a lot of people talk about. It's been around for 50 years. It's now called the Wendy's College Classic. It's been a lot of other names, the Chase Tournament, the J.P. Morgan Tournament. Uh, there's a lot of names that have gone with the tournament. Um, it is in its final year after 50 years on the men's side, 24 on the women's side. We'll be talking to its director. Mike Daly, former head coach at Nazareth of 23 years. Talk to him about the event. Talk to him about why it's going away. You're going to hear some things that are very common on the D3 side, and you're going to hear the same words about D2 involved with that. We'll also uh, talk about why, or you'll hear why maybe, you know, Mike hopes it comes back in some form in the future. We'll talk about his favorite memories, and we will announce the brackets from that event as well. We'll then head out to Hope, talk men's basketball. Greg Mitchell's team only has one loss on the season just coming yesterday, but it's not a bad loss, and the win prior to that was even bigger. We'll talk about the Hope squad making a return and how dangerous they could be this season. Could they be the new number one? Some people think they might be better than Augustana. I don't know if they'll be the new number one, but are they number one? I guess is a more appropriate way of saying that. Then we'll head down to Virginia and talk Lynchburg women's basketball and the ODAC. An alum is running things, and we'll talk to her 
about her team, the ODAC. If she thinks anybody can take out Thomas Moore and the new rule changes, that's all coming up here on Hoopsville. Let's talk about those top 25s first. On the women's side, top 25 went 81 and 20 to start the season, about an 80% clip. Those receiving votes, 101 and 36 for an overall 182 and 56 record, but 81 wins and 20 losses on the women's side. You got to go pretty, got to get down to number seven, Bowden, before you find a loss in the top 25. As Thomas Moore, Amherst, Tufts, George Fox, and New York U, along with Oshkosh, all went undefeated to start the season before the next top 25. Uh, Bowden's lost twice. Plattsburgh State by seven and New England, University of New England, I should say, 17th ranked team by 20. Took their revenge out on Salvary Regino. She also mentioned in a neutral court game they defeated Clarkson. Wheaton lost to number 11 Hope. Wash U lost to Stevens Point by 16. Calvin lost to Wisconsin Lutheran by six. FDU Florham took their first regular season, or what, second regular season loss in a while? They lost to Lebanon Valley, who's receiving votes. Ohio Northern lost to Rochester, then lost to number one Thomas Moore. Catholic is off to a horrible start. Their women's team is one and three. They've lost to Randolph-Macon, Trinity, Texas, and Pitt-Bradford and um, beat Farum. But Catholic's out to a rough, rough start. University of New England is going well. Get DePaul's lost two games. They're 3-2. and two. Geneseo State lost to Gettysburg to start the season. They're 2-1. Bethel has lost twice to be 2-2. Two two. Luther's lost once. Eastern Connecticut's lost a game. Baldwin-Wallace has lost two. So we'll see who jumps into the top 25, but it's not like those receiving votes are doing all that well. Babson's lost two. Transylvania has lost two. Salisbury's lost a game. The Whitewater is 5-0. and That's pretty impressive. St. Norbert has lost two. The big one that jumps out at me, Cabrini is 0-4 on the season. Cabrini, we knew they lost some, but wow, 0-4 to start the season. Lost to Eastern, Stockton. Moravian and Scranton. What's interesting about that is all of those teams receiving votes in the top 25. So that's on the women's side. The only other note, North Central has lost three games, surprisingly. Calvin, Maryville, of course, both of those top, ranked in the top 15 and lost to Augsburg. Whitworth has lost two. So that's on the women's side. On the men's side of things, a little rougher. 82 and 31 in the top 25. 82 and 31 in the first two weeks of basketball. Virginia Wesleyan is 4 and 2, having lost to Wesley and now Salisbury. Catholic is 3 and 2. They've lost to Marietta and Washington and Lee. They lost to Mar- Washington and Lee on a buzzer beater, and I believe beat Wesley on a buzzer beater, or lost to Marietta on a buzzer beater. Somehow there's like two or three buzzer beaters involved in Catholic's five games. Mount Union's lost twice. Elmas, as we talk about, lost to Benedictine. Babson lost to Bowden. That was a bit of a surprise. I heard some really good things about Babson, some of the transfers that have come in, but they lost to Bowden, 88-84. Marietta lost to St. Vincent. Trinity, Connecticut lost to Springfield, got smoked. We talked about that on a previous show. Eastern Connecticut has lost twice. St. Olaf has lost twice. Once to Stevens Point, one to River Falls. Maybe a letdown against River Falls. Hope we talked about their one loss coming to Cornerstone after beating Aquinas handily. 
Chicago has lost twice, but has righted the ship since then. Emory has lost three times. Was messaging with Coach Jason Zimmerman just before the show. Basically said, there's no excuse. Team is getting used to new roles and, and dealing with injuries. Have to keep getting better. They knew that it was going to be a rough start. But they haven't played very well in the last five outings, two of those being the Hoopsville Classic. So Emory off to a 4-3 and three start to start the season. Seven games in the first 12 days of the season. FNM lost to Lancaster Bible. We talked about that uh, back at the Hoopsville Classic. Worcester lost to Skidmore. Dickinson has lost three times. I was at the McDaniel loss. It was not pretty. I also was at the uh, St. John Fisher loss and and the win against Stevenson. Coach Ceretti says he's done with me. <laughs> Actually, the Stevenson game, I only saw about a third of it, a half of it. Oshkosh has lost twice. Illinois Wesleyan has lost twice. Once to Ohio Wesleyan. East Texas Baptist has lost. Others receiving vote, not much better. 88 and 27. Actually, it is better at 70-65 clip. But Randolph Macon's off to a 1 and 3 start. Of course, I didn't even vote for them, but others did. Johns Hopkins off to a 1 and 3 start. I did vote for Hopkins, I think. I don't remember now. <laughs> Bates has lost. Scranton has lost. William Patterson's lost twice, and we'll talk about that. Whitewater lost. St. Norbert lost. Stockton lost. By the way, William Patterson barely got past Rosemont, 72-68 in their return. North Central lost to Chicago. Calvin lost three times. They're 2-3 and three with losses to Ohio Wesleyan, Cornerstone, and Aquinas. Granted, two of those outside of Division Three. Center lost to Maryville. Harden-Simmons, who I thought was going to be a darn good team this year. 3-3 three and three start to the season with losses to Southwestern Shriner, who they've now played twice, both of them close, and lost to Texas Lutheran. Salisbury's off to a 5-0 start. Christopher Newport's off to a 4-0 start. Keene State off to a 5-0 start. Wash U off to a 5-0 start. Rippon lost. Southern Vermont lost twice. Endicott lost twice. Northwestern off to a 5-0 start. Northwestern Minnesota. Absolute craziness in the top 25. Votes come out tomorrow, or I should say voting takes place tomorrow. Hopefully it comes out tomorrow. Unbelievable, to say the least. I don't even know what I'm going to do with my top 25. I am completely lost. I am not sure what I'm going to do. It's going to take a lot of work tomorrow. I've already started the work. But uh, I only know that my number one vote's not changing. That is it. Everything else is up in the air. It's going to be wholesale changes. Not that that's overly surprising, but still a little bit. Let's talk about William Patterson. Jose Rabimbas, the head coach, announced Saturday over a week ago at the Hoopsville Classic that he had been fired. Unceremoniously, for lack of a better description, that's my term. Some disagreement over a rental fee over the summer, apparently some investigation or review, let's call it, found no reason to terminate him. But he was terminated nonetheless after they had lost to Brooklyn. Excuse me. He quits, or he gets fired, I should say. Team almost quits. They have a game three days later, Sunday, Monday, two. Yeah, three days later in conference against New Jersey City. Warm-ups take place. Starting lineups are announced. Team Teams go to take the floor, and William Patterson takes their jerseys off and walks off the floor. Took an announcement over to the radio guys who apparently stood and applauded. We can talk about why they that they shouldn't have stayed and applaud, but that's another story for another time. But William Patterson walks off the floor, goes down as a forfeit. 
I have talked to the conference. That's how they're ruling it, unless they hear otherwise from the NCAA. They have reached out to the NCAA to get clarification on whether it is a forfeit. I have reached out to the NCAA to understand if that forfeit goes down as an official loss for William Patterson and an official win for New Jersey City. Now, we talk about vacated wins in the past. Vacated wins, If let's say you've been caught for something in the NCAA and you vacate a win, okay? That means it's no longer a win in your, in your column, but it does not go down as a win for the other team. The loss is just removed from their schedule. It basically goes down as if you never played them. I want to get clarification on whether this game with William Patterson in New Jersey is of that scenario. Is it of the scenario that the game never took place? Or is it of the scenario that it is a win, an official win for New Jersey City? You may be asking me, well, why does it matter? Remember how all games in November mean just as much as they do in February when it comes to criteria and selection stuff? William Patterson has a very good team. If they keep their heads about them, they will be in the conversation come regional rankings and NCAA tournament and possible hosting. If that is a loss, that is a common opponent, that is an SOS, you know, that doesn't affect the SOS, grand scheme, I'll get back to that. It's it's possibly a game against a regional ranked opponent for both teams. That can be a win-loss for either of them. If it's not considered a game, if it's considered like a vacated game, that isn't in the criteria. If it isn't considered a vacated game, I mean, it is considered a vacated game and thus didn't happen, doesn't get a win, doesn't get a loss, how does that affect the SOS? For the most part, double round robin conferences, SOSs are about 500. We know it's give or take. Some are a little higher, some are a little lower. But for the grand scheme of a double round robin, without going into all the little details, Double round robin conferences, your SOS for a conference is 500. It's your out of conference that then sways it up and down. Again, weak conferences have below 500, strong conferences have above 500, but nothing massive. This offsets that double round robin if it's considered a vacated game. I understand on paper a forfeit is a win, but that doesn't mean in the general sense of the NCAA it is. So there's ramifications here. Let's move on then. We didn't know if they were going to play on Saturday against Rosemont at Cabrini. I was texting and talking to all kinds of people in the days leading up with that, even on Thanksgiving Day, trying to figure out if William Patterson was going to show up. William Patterson didn't even just told everybody, hey, you can expect us to be there. But from what I heard, no guarantees. We don't know yet. The rumors are that there was a, a meeting with administration after practice Friday after Thanksgiving, before their game on Saturday. I have a feeling that meeting did not go so well from things I have heard. But the team showed up at Cabrini and the team took the court on Grunts Rosemont. I made sure that the tip-off went up. Tip went up. William Patterson won the ball. William Patterson barely won the game. The team is revolting against this decision. Jose Rabimbas is appealing the decision. We have reached out to Jose, see if he wanted to come on the show. He does not, does not want to speak publicly as the appeal is in its is going through the process. We've reached out to him since. We're waiting to hear back. This is crazy, though, folks. We are in chaos mode. 
This is a very good William Patterson squad who probably deserves to have top 25 votes. They smoked Mount Union before getting smoked by Brooklyn. You could argue the smoke against Brooklyn may, may have been sidetracked, a little distracted. But that game could have ramifications. That game against New Jersey City could have so many ramifications. As far as the conference, right now they consider that a win for New Jersey City. So William Patterson has started the conference schedule with a loss. But regional rankings, criteria, selection criteria, at-large, hosting, all can come down to a forfeited game. It's unbelievable. I am glad that the, the men of this team took the floor. Listen, I can understand you're angry about your coach not you know, being unceremoniously in your eyes fired. I get it. I understand that. I don't know all the details, so I don't know who's right, who's wrong. It's the right decision and the wrong decision. I do not know. I have absolutely no opinion on whether Jose Rabimbas should have been fired, if Jose Rabimbas should still be on the team, if Jose Rabimbas is being screwed or the school is. I do not have an opinion. I do not have enough information. What I do have an opinion on is I understand as a team that you have a problem with this decision. But let's remember one thing. William Patterson pays the bills. And I understand you pay tuition, but William Patterson is paying for that team to be on there. William Patterson is paying for William Patterson to be on the jerseys. They ultimately make the decisions. And while you stood up and had your protest, and while you can, I can go either side on that protest, I can say it's a good idea and I can say it's a bad idea. I can argue either side of that. The actions leading up to the next game were ridiculous. And I'll go as far as to say I wish the administration was a little bit more vocal. Now, I have not reached out to anybody in the administration because the general consensus that I have received from everybody else is that the administration's not talking. No one's talking. So I have not reached out. We meant to do it before today. Did not have time. We will do so before Thursday. Basically, I wanted to see if they got to Saturday. If they hadn't played Saturday, a whole, whole different can of worms here. Now, granted, they could still not show up for Wednesday's game against um, New Jersey City. I apologize. I said they were playing New Jersey City on Wednesday. They were not last Tuesday. I mean, they were not playing New Jersey City. That's who they play on Wednesday. I apologize for the confusion here. They were playing Ramapo last Tuesday. Oh, James Gillette just, just tweeted me about that. Thank you, James. I just realized that myself. It was against Ramapo. Chuck McBreen is the head coach there. I apologize. Thank you, James. Totally screwed that up. New Jersey City's on my mind because I know they got the game with them coming up on Wednesday. So lots to go in. I understand the frustration, but guys, take the floor. You've got a chance. You're also, you don't get that many games. If you are lucky, if you are lucky, you play 100 games in your career. If you play every game your freshman year and you maybe even get some extra basketball in there, you get 100 games in your career. Don't throw them away. The administration could throw away the season. I want to see these guys succeed. I think they're a very good team. Don't throw away the season. I understand you're angry. I get it. But let's not throw away everything. we got to take a break. When we come back, we will be talking Benedictine basketball. We'll probably talk more about William Patterson down the road. We have plenty more ahead as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. 
Benedictine basketball coming up next here on Hoopsville. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry, a little bit of delay there. Technical difficulties. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or, ha hoops, or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Got a little wrapped up there with William Patterson. Got a little bit behind with things. Um, got lots ahead of us, so I hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, you find out how uh, you can interact with us and ask us questions or our guests. You can also do that right at the bottom of the screen again. Well, thanks, James, for pointing out my mistake, which I apparently caught about the same time he did, uh, saying William Patterson was playing New Jersey City when they forfeited. They were actually playing Ramapo, uh, and we'll play New Jersey City. Coming up. Uh, one of the other stories caption, uh, certainly a lot of attention, uh, is losses in the top 25, which we certainly talked about. Two CCIW teams have gone down this season uh, to one team in particular, four of them to the same conference, the NACC, and part of that conference is Benedictine. And one of the team that is responsible for the dismantling, uh, as it were, is Benedictine. Benedictine um, winning two games of their or three so far against top 25 opponents. And I should say, by the way, they're responsible for three of the CCIW losses uh, in conference uh, because that, I guess that's just how they roll. Um, they have beaten three CCIW teams um, since they got going here. Uh, and it's pretty impressive, uh, to say the least. Um, hold on a second as I... There we go. Um, the, now, last year they started with a win over Illinois Wesleyan, and obviously that trend is moving forward because they got a win over Illinois Wesleyan, a win over Wheaton, and a win over Elmhurst. Of course, the first and the third, all top 25 teams. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline because it just made sense to talk to them is Benedictine head coach Chuck Bunkenberg. Sorry, coach. Uh, first and foremost, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. 
Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me. Um, listen, last year you guys beat Illinois Wesley and certainly got some attention. Even I was like, okay, that's that's not too bad. Good way to start the season. Uh, then you lost to Wheaton. You lost to Aurora. Um, you had a little bit of a rough stretch in the middle of the season where you guys lost three of four. You guys kind of, you know, the Illinois Wesley was a nice feather in the cap, as it were. You guys have three feathers in the cap to start this season. Those are big wins um, at Illinois Wesleyan and at Elmhurst, who are both top 25 re- uh, ranked, and then a home win against Wheaton. Did you expect this team to be able to go out there and, and beat a Wheaton squad by 15 to beat an Elmhurst squad by eight? I guess what I felt going into the season that we would be competitive. Um, I think anytime uh, you go on the on the road against a Wesleyan and on the road against uh, Elmer's two ranked teams, obviously you feel going in that they're going to be tough games. Um, but our kids really felt confident going into the season. We have uh, you know eight of our top eleven back from last year, and I thought we learned a lesson from last year. You know we did knock off Wesleyan early on, but we didn't follow that win up with some quality wins. And I felt this year our kids obviously going into Wesleyan felt hey, we beat them last year. Why can't we beat them this year? But then what do we do after that? You know, how are we going to handle, the, uh, you know, some success? And I thought our kids have done that well. Certainly have done that well. You're off to this great start. Like I said, a 15-point win at home against Wheaton. And, of course, a, you know, the buzzer beater against Illinois Wesleyan, which we showed a couple of, of, of games ago, just kind of keeping your head, kind of a throw from the hip. I know that wasn't drawn up. It was off a rebound. But when you were in that scenario against Illinois Wesleyan and again at the Shirk Center, what did you tell the team going into that 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 opportunity to knock them off a second time in a row? Well, you know, they lost a they lost a couple of quality guards from the team, you know, prior prior to the season this year, and uh, and we felt like our guard play was going to be pretty good, and so, you know, it's funny. I was probably I was probably more nervous going in, even though I didn't show it to the kids. <laughs> I was probably more nervous going into that game than they were. I mean, just the look on their faces. I mean, they had a confident feel. They felt like, uh, you know, we scrimmaged Augie, another CCIW team, um, before the season started, and we played them to about a six-point game. Um, so I thought that gave us a lot of confidence going into the season. I mean, you know, Augie's obviously the number one team in the country, and and uh, and we played it pretty tough. So I think that scrimmage was really big in letting our kids know that, hey, we could play with anybody. But, you know, going into Wesleyan <laughs> – you know, it's one of the toughest places to play in the country. And, uh, uh, you know, our kids battled and had a great first half, and the lead went back and forth in the second half. And, and, and I don't understand. That play was drawn up perfectly, Dave. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Oh, so you, you, uh, so you were, you were, you're anticipating. <laughs> I, I get it. You were anticipating the, uh, the rebound. You are anticipating throw it off your hip. I get it. I get right, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> By the way, for some reason, I think I called you Chuck at the beginning. I know graphically I put down Chuck. I'm not sure where that came from. I apologize uh, to all you Eagle fans called, out there. I've been called worse. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you have. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure by by, by opponents um, yes. and f- opponent fans especially. Yeah, so anybody right. out there who saw me put Chuck on the graphic and call me that, including Eagles fans, I apologize. Not sure where my brain was. Um but yeah, I mean, this is that's what's great is you guys have that win. And again, last year we pointed out you had a couple losses here. Wheaton got you guys last time. Following that, you get this Wheaton game. You win them by fifteen. But then you're going up against an Elmer squad who's supposed to be better than both of them. How did you guys prepare for that game? You know, going into the game, obviously the beginning of the season, you can only pre- prepare so much. They only played a Greenville team that played kind of that Grinnell style, and right. they played um, um, another team out out east, Curry. And so, in watching those games. Um, it, it, well, Greenville, you don't get a whole lot of because this, you know, Greenville dictates the style. 
But, um, you know, again, going in, we just, we felt like matchup wise, uh, we felt good. You know, we have, uh, you know, two bigs inside a six, nine transfer and Luke Johnson and, and then a six, five, uh, returning junior and Adam Reynolds, we felt like we can match their size and then their guard play, which is very, very good. But so is ours. You know, we have, I think we have one of the best, uh, one of the best defenders in our, in our point guard. Um, and then we have two big wings that are like six, three. And so going in, I felt matchup wise, uh, we, we could play with them. And again, I think our feeling was go in there, play hard. Hey, we're on the road, no pressure. No one thinks we're going to come in here and beat them. And we just wanted to be in it at the end, and fortunately we were. And we probably had one of the best halves of our lives, though. Um, I think we shot 70 or 80% from the three in that first half, and no one could have pre- predicted the halftime score. And then obviously <laughs> Elmhurst and John and, and, and their team's very good. They made some adjustments and played uh, obviously a great second half, and we were able to hang on and win. Uh, let's talk about this team. It's led by uh, Michael Blazik, by the way. Awesome name, especially considering the spelling. <laughs> Um, Michael's leading the team with 16 points a game, along with um, Teron Harvey. Uh, Teron's got 16 points a game, and both are both the big rebounders because Harvey's bringing down six, Blazik's bringing down five and a uh, five and a half, almost six. Lucas Johnson's bringing down seven at 13.7 points a game. A- Adam Reynolds 12.7 points a game, also nearly seven rebounds a game. John Dotson at 12 points a game and 4.3 rebounds. Uh, we don't want to leave out Tim Reamer at eight points a game and four and a half rebounds. That is balanced, not only scoring, but rebounding. I don't usually see. Now, granted, we're three games in. I get that. Sure. But even then, you usually have somebody who kind of stands out. Well, you know, um, again, our guards, are, 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 we have good size. You know, John John is one of our best. You know, John Dotson, our point guard, is probably our best defender. And then Teron and Mike are, are big. And then we ask those guys to go to the glass, depending on the situation. And then uh, – I think a strength of ours is you really can't say, all right, we're going to stop Blazik. Um, but John and Teron are, are, are capable of scoring 15 to 20 a night. Or, hey, we're going to, we're going to double, you know, um, you know, Adam Reynolds, and then Luke Johnson can score inside. And then obviously our bench has been really key for us. Tim Reamer has been just a, an awesome player off the bench. He's not only a, a skilled fake for us, but he's a, he's a great energy guy for us off the bench. and get rebounds and score and, um, and I think right now one of the keys is no one cares who's scoring. No mm. one. Um, they they want to win. This team wants to win. And so um, uh, our attitude's been great. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys have been starting for two, three years, right. so they know what know what it takes to win. And we're we're lucky enough to have some some great players and have some and have, have great attitudes. Six seniors on this squad, so certainly this has got some you know some veteran leadership, and at the same time. It's got some. Hey, this is our season. This is it. We got to go for it. Do, do you have the same feeling? Yeah, you know, it's always scary, even with seniors. Sometimes you, uh, you know, seniors uh, are ready to get out in the real world and and, and can lose focus too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it can go either ways. But but this group so far, and again, we're three games into the season. We got a long way to go. Uh, they're playing great, and the, and our leadership has been phenomenal too. Um, I really think that we we probably have six or seven guys who can start. Um, on our team, and, and the kids that aren't starting have accepted their roles, which again is really important. So, uh, um, and again, you know, having guys that have been there before, and, and we have played great schedules in the past. You know, I never feel like we've we've dodged anybody. Um, we play good teams and prepare ourselves uh, from year to year to play great competition. And I think over the years, because of that, 
this team has a lot of confidence. When you look at this squad, you guys will take on the uh, – you start your conference play, I should say, on Tuesday with a game at Rockford, then uh, Marion at home uh, on the weekend, the following week, Milwaukee Engineering in conference. Uh, you'll finish uh, – then Edgewood – I mean, you have mostly conference games here. Edgewood, Aurora, Marion again before uh, the holidays. You d- you'll have North Central before the break, then Carthage after the break, and then you'll get back in a conference. The NACC clearly has a lot of conference games. Your out-of-conference is CCIW, CCIW, uh, CCIW, um, CCIW, and um, I think CCIW. Um, I'm not sure. You can play other teams. Um, great scheduling by me. Um, so I wish I can blame uh, blame someone else for scheduling, but I can't. It's all me. If you want, uh, by the way, if you want, there's a few more teams in the CCIW. Well, we scrimmage doggy, so that actually gives us six, technically. Um, you know, uh, and we only have five non-conference, so we can't play the whole league. Yeah. Somebody said. It's an interesting, interesting play of your SOS here. <laughs> well, it's. Um, I knew going in. I knew going in the, into the season we'd have a pretty good team, but you know, you know, Dave. Even if you said that we'd be three and zero after the first three games, I would say you were. You'd be nuts. Uh, but. Um, you know, I really kind of hope this prepares us for our league. Rockford's going to be, you know, they're four and one right now. Um, they have some uh, some great players. They're playing really well. They have a nice nice win against Loris at home. They beat Dominican uh, on the road, one hundred and nine, I think, to one hundred and five. And and uh, Coach Weber does a great job. So we got our hands full against them on Tuesday. And then uh, uh, you know, Marion's one of those teams that uh, you know two years ago took Stevens Point yeah. to uh, to a to a two point game in the in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, they do a great job also. So, and you know how it is. Conference place is different. It's just different. Everyone's just prepared a little bit more. Um, you know, we've kind of put ourselves on the radar here to have a little bit of a target on our back. So our kids have to handle that. But, um, you yeah, know, we've got a tough stretch, but I, you know, I kind of hope our, our, I think our kids are prepared, but you never know. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, the question is, are you guys a top 25 team? Of course, some people may argue you may be a top five team with those two wins. Um, but, you know, it's going to be hard to say, well, you know, i got to see what their out-of-conference schedule is. Eh, let me see what they do out-of-conference. It's only one conference, so it's going to be an interesting debate for top 25 voters. I've already been already been plugged by some. Hey, you know, you ought to consider Benedictine. Hey, you're considered. Trust me. You're, you're going to be considered for the ballot. But how do you now take this? Let's say you get top 25 love. Let's say you enter the top 25 tomorrow or, or Tuesday, whenever it's released. Sure, now your sure. team sees that. Now you've got these two big wins out of three. Um, you're heading into conference play. You're not going to see another conference non-conference foe until December 22nd in North Central. How do you keep the guys focused on, yeah, we beat those guys. We got top 25, but we still have a job ahead of us. Yeah, you know what? And again, having seniors and juniors and kids that have been in it before, and um, you know, those kids know how important our conference is. You know, we've we've known in the past, at least the last couple of years, that uh, the only team that was going to come out of our league wasn't going to be that large. It was going to be a team that you know won the conference tournament. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, our kids even know that now. There there may not be an at large in our league. So we want to position ourselves to be you know top seed in our conference tournament. Obviously, do well and not put any decisions on maybe the NCAA. NCAA committee down the road. Um, I just want to tell our guys, I mean, embrace it. If we're a top 25 team, embrace it. You earned it, you know. But realize that every night teams are going to give you your best shot. So um, I think our kids are ready for that challenge. But, you know, it's 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 easy to kind of say, all right, we've beaten Wesley, we've beaten Elmhurst, we've beaten Wheaton, 
and then kind of take the foot off the pedal. I don't think our kids are going to do that. At least I believe they're not. I think they're they're veteran enough to know that every game we play right now is so important down the road. You finished tied for first last year in the conference against Aurora at 15-5. and five. You lost in the conference tournament, did not make the NCAA tournament, as you alluded. Concordia, Wisconsin was a game behind you. They're the ones who knocked you out. Uh, and, of course, Edgewood is lurking as well. What do we expect of this conference this year? Is Aurora going to be up there with you guys? You know, who's who's going to be the top dog? And and who's going to be coming out of here representing this conference in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, you know, um, Aurora's always good. You know, James does a great job um, uh, with, with with their team, and, and they're going to be well-prepared. And that's kind of our big rivalry game. So even if we have a bad record or if they may have a bad record that given year, it's always going to be a great battle. Um, you got to give props to Concordia, Wisconsin. You know, they won our conference tournament last year. They returned, I think, six or seven of their top eight or nine. Uh, so they're going to be a tough team to match up with. And then I think, you know, the Marions, the Lakelands, um, the Rockfords, um, I know I'm going to MSOE has one of the best players in the country um, uh, in, in SEC. So our league's a grind. You know, I mean, we start on Tuesday. And so it's, it's like three months of, of playing league games, and um, it's it's hard. You know, I told our kids last year I was so proud of them how we came back and won the league because I felt like that was a, an accomplishment over the course of the season. And so, yes, we did lose to Concordia, Wisconsin in the tournament, which was very disappointing. Um, but what we did over the course of the year, I was more proud of that. You know, and, of course, the NCAA tournament is cherry on top of the Sunday. But, um, you know, <laughs> I'll give you the old standby. Uh, we got to take it one game at a time. And, Right now, Rockford's our, our opponent. I actually think they're probably one of the most improved teams in our league. It's going to be a tough team on the road. And um, But, you know, our, the NAC has had some great wins other than us. You know, Aurora beat North Central on Saturday. Concordia, Wisconsin has beaten a WIAC team. So I think our league has gotten a lot of respect in the last couple of weeks. And, and obviously, uh, we want to see it, You know, we want to see the teams in our league do well against other, other opponents because that gives us credibility maybe at the end of the year. NACC again four zero in the conference against the CCIW. Of course, three of them coming to you, and you're right. You got two more times to take them on North Central and Carthage on either side of Christmas. Um, I think they know you're coming now, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know as an alum, you've probably been inundated with the the success uh, with text messages and stuff from uh, others around the country appreciating the effort. And so I will just at least acknowledge very nicely done to start the season. Uh, Terrific way to certainly get headlines, certainly get your way on Hoopsville, but at the same time, uh, certainly a great way to start a season, uh, especially for those six seniors. And we'll look forward to seeing how you do the rest of the way. Uh, I would say if you guys end up being ranked, the last thing you want to do is all of a sudden be the team that took out two ranked teams and all of a sudden have everybody take out you as being the ranked team. But good luck, Coach. I certainly appreciate it. As always, I give the coach the final word. Any final things you want to say to those who may be watching? Well, Dave, I hope you didn't jinx me on that. But anyway. Oh, you're just coming uh, on the show. People will tell you jinxed me. <laughs> Don't worry. We already crossed that bridge by me inviting you. <laughs> okay. Well, Dave, I appreciate it. You know, I'm really proud of our team. I'm part of our, our program. Um you know, for us to compete against some of the best teams in the country, it's, it's really a testament to our kids and our coaches and our school. You know, our school has been a, a great supporter of, of athletics and our basketball program. And, um, you know, I look forward to our, you know, our challenge this year. Um, if we do get ranked, um, I would, like I said, I'll just tell our kids that, uh, hey, you earned the ranking. But um, right now it's it's one game at a time. And, and, and right now Rockford's a team we got to beat. And, and hopefully we'll do that on Tuesday. Very good. Well, good luck. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for going by Chuck there for about three minutes. 
I appreciate that as well. And uh, we'll look forward to watching how the Eagles do the rest of the way. Thanks, Dave. Have a good year, and I appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. Take care. You too. Keith Bunkenberg joining us here on Hoopsville. Again, the alum leading the team, took over the program in 95. Certainly he's got a good good start to this season. They had a good start last year. Remember Southern Vermont beat Williams two years in a row? Well, Benedictine has beaten Illinois Wesleyan two years in a row. They added on by beating Wheaton and Elmers. Conference season starts on Tuesday. They have a lot of games in conference, only five out of conference. We'll see how they do. Uh, the other games to put on your radar, besides the conference games like like Rockford, like Aurora, et cetera, MSOE, which is Milwaukee Engineering, keep an eye out for North Central and, Car- and Carthage coming up on the other on both sides of Christmas. Those are another two games that are certainly going to give us an idea of how good the Eagles going to be this season. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll jump up to Western New York, talk about the 50th and final Wendy's College Classic. You can listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show tonight. Welcome back. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Obviously, we took about 10 days off officially from the show shows, as it were. Obviously, we didn't take that much time off as we had the coach's corner last time, but uh, we're back and running, and uh, we hope you're enjoying the show. Um, if you've got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, lots to cover. I want to thank uh, Hope. Um, I'm sorry, Benedictine's men's basketball coach for coming on the show. We will be talking to Hope's men's basketball coach coming up shortly. Also talk to Lynchburg's women's basketball coach all here on the show uh, coming up. Don't forget, you can also uh, listen to us on the podcast through SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, You can listen to the podcast 
whenever you want. One of the big things in Division Three basketball over the years has been the Wendy's Classic. Obviously, not just Division Three basketball, but most of the schools involved are Division Three schools, um, and so it's a big deal. Fiftieth anniversary of that event is taking place this year, and unfortunately, it is also the final, at least in its current incarnation as it were so we wanted to talk about the 50th anniversary and talk about the future if there is one but more importantly talk about this year uh coming up after the interview here we will also announce the uh matchups for this year's wendy's classic in both men's and women's basketball but in the meantime let's bring in mike daly he's a former head coach at, Naz- at nazareth and the director of the wendy's classic sir thank you for joining me on hoopsville i certainly appreciate it oh it's my pleasure dave First and foremost, obviously, you were at Nazareth for a number of years. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But you, uh, as a result, got very much involved with this classic. This is a this is a big deal. This event for the Rochester area, or at least it has been for a long time. It's been a, a, a terrific um, uh, coming together of the community, the Western New York community, and uh, the eight colleges that have been involved in it since I've been at, at Nazareth. Uh, this is my thirtieth tournament. Uh, either as a coach or as the director of the tournament. And, and when you're coaching, you don't realize how much of a part this is of the community, the uh, the involvement that the community has in terms of supporting the uh, financially the, uh, the the tournament and also uh, uh, just being a part of it. it it's just a, a nice uh, you know coming together of uh, the upstate New York uh community of course the other great thing is it's men's and women's involved so there, you yes, know, there's is. there's a lot of basketball taking place not only division three schools but certainly a, ma- a vast majority are division three how right. much i mean this is probably an obvious question but how much has changed in your 30 years let alone the 50 that this event has taken place well uh the there's been a number of changes uh in terms of uh the women have been a part of it uh, for the last 24 years. This uh, this is the 24th year for the women, so next year would be the silver anniversary for that. So that was a great addition. When this tournament started, there was only there were four teams to begin with, and then as the uh, the programs in the area grew at the time, it started. Nazareth was only a women's school, uh, women's college at the time, and now uh, you know they've all expanded to being co-ed. So. Um, it, it's just been a, 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 a fun time. Other than the NCAA tournament or a conference championship, this is usually the highlight of uh, a team's uh, a season if they can come away with a win in this tournament. Um, come, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it, it, it's bragging rights in Western New York. A lot of the kids are local. Not all of them, but a lot of them are, come from uh, the, uh, the upstate New York area. Uh, and it's just been uh, it's been one of the highlights of a lot of them's uh, career, uh, both the men and the women. Uh, you mentioned it's the 30th, and obviously a, a big deal. It's had a lot of incarnations over the years. Uh, the Chase Tournament, yeah. the J.P. Morgan Tournament, it's had a lot of right. names. Um, yeah. it, it, that's got to mean a lot for you guys also to have that kind of support from the local community. That's correct. When the tournament, when I first was involved in the tournament, J.P. Morgan Chase was the uh, corporate sponsor. And uh, or excuse me, it was Lincoln first, and then it, it, it changed over to J.P. Morgan Chase. But during the time that the banks ran the tournament, it was called a scholarship tournament. And the reason it was called a scholarship tournament was because each school uh, received a $1,000 scholarship to go into their uh, general fund, uh, and uh, in addition to the, the banks paying for the tournament. So that was uh, that was. <laughs> 
unbelievable. But as times change and the economy changes, and uh, in 2009 it was uh, the year I retired. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase uh, made some cuts, and one of the cuts was the corporate sponsorship of the tournament. And Wendy's of Rochester was uh, was a, a kind enough and generous enough to step up and take over the sponsorship of the tournament. And over the last seven tournaments, they've put in over $100,000 of their own money to keep this thing going. So uh, to say that the the, uh, the community, the, the, the banks and Wendy's uh, have had a great effect on, on the college basketball in upstate New York. What what's the what's the cause for the ending of this tournament? I mean, after fifty years, obviously, there's a lot to be said about keeping it around. But at the same time, I'm sure a lot of people said maybe it's run its course. Well, uh, you know, a, a Greek philosopher once said the only thing constant in life is change, <laughs> and uh, and what's happened is uh, uh, Robert Wesleyan, who was one of the original charter members of the uh, of the first four teams in the tournament. Uh, has gone Division II, uh, right. from NAIA uh, Division II to NCAA Division II. And uh, they're getting pressure from their conference to, uh, in terms of strength of schedule, uh, playing three Division three teams uh, in their conference. They And they don't know anything about the tournament other than they're playing three Division three teams. And I think they would like to see them strengthen their schedule by playing more NCAA Division twos. Uh, the expansion, the, the number of teams in the SUNYACs, they've expanded their uh, conference schedule to where they want to play all of their league games on weekends. And uh, that goes right up into the first semester. Usually uh, what, what happened um, when I uh, first took over the tournament was the tournament was always played in December, early part of the, or excuse me, uh, in January. Right. I, I think it was played in January. And it was a semester, uh, second semester tournament. And the good thing about it being played then is football was kind of winding down at the time and college basketball was revving up. And, and so it was, uh, uh, there was a lot more going on. And, and college football was pretty much over with by that time. So uh, it, we had there was uh, much more uh, of an interest in, in coverage of, of the tournament because the newspapers were getting spread as thin covering Syracuse football and and all the other uh, college football uh, teams. Uh, so we, we we were getting uh, probably a little bit better coverage in the media. The TV coverage is always great, um, and with conference schedules at the time St. John Fisher and Nazareth were independent schools and now they are um, affiliated with the Empire 8 and everybody wants to get their uh, at the time wanted to get their uh, conference schedule all in the second semester uh, and so that or that caused us to you know the ADs to get together and they were let's let's put this thing in the first semester and we so we said, well, let's try to make it as close to a tip-off tournament as we could. So that's why we play when we do uh, right after Thanksgiving break. And that worked out fine for a while. But now there's more pressure being put on by the, the SUNYACs with the uh, uh, SUNY Brockport and SUNY Geneseo. So that uh, that adds to the, to the uh, mix there in terms of the pressure being put on them and the pressure being put on Robert. So now we've got three teams that are – in a conundrum, I guess you might call it, and uh, they're trying to figure out where, you know, what, what can we do here. And uh, 
Um, uh, so this is what's brought it about. Uh, it, and it's, uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a shame because it, it, it's, it's just a, a great event, and I, and, and I can't tell you how great the people have been uh, in terms of supporting us with the program ads. We have a banquet uh, uh, this evening uh, for 350 people with all the student-athletes, coaches and and we, at the head table we have an ambassador from each school each uh, either from a, a, the women's program or the men's program we rotate it back and forth and uh, they get a chance to talk a little bit about their program and their school and we have a hall of fame and which is uh uh it, it's just a, a, a classic um uh, you know, it's like almost like playing in a postseason tournament, playing at the NCAA tournament, and uh, and it, it's just been uh, a thrill for me to be a part of it, both as a coach and as a director. And uh, the administrations have been great, the the, the schools have been great. Uh, we move it around. Uh, we we rotated the uh, the conference, uh, or excuse me, the tournament championship from uh, three different sites. We were in the process of trying to get more teams. Um, the ability to host in the finals, and um, but that's uh, that's something that may come back down the road. Who knows? May happen a year or two from now. I'd like to see it make a comeback sometime down the road, but for right now, I guess it's time after 50 years to take a deep breath, sit back, and reevaluate the <clears throat> excuse me the situation and see where we can go from here. Can make I, it better. Yeah, I can, can totally understand the strength of schedule argument. We certainly hear enough of it in Division Three as well. <laughs> Uh, talking to Mike Daly here, former Nazareth head coach and uh, director of the uh, Wendy's College Classic. Of course, 50th annual edition on the men's side this year, as Coach pointed out. Um, women celebrating their 24th, I believe. or uh, yep, Yeah, 24th right. year. Um, obviously, you coached in it. Um, I think you have the second most wins on record, though Mike Neer has got the most uh, on the men's side. Uh, but that's because Mike Neer coached some darn good rochester squads at the time what are your favorite memories of being in this event uh my favorite memory my first year uh, and i don't know if i've got the second most wins i think i've got a few i've got I, i've got some but uh my first year as a head coach at division three i inherited a, a terrific team from uh, a gentleman by the name of bill nelson who was at johns hopkins mm-hmm. and they the team had previously won three they they're the only we were the only program to win four in a row. Uh, and they had won three coming into my rookie year as the head coach at Nazareth. And uh, we were fortunate enough to win it again. And I thought, boy, this uh, this is easy, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, I had a great team. I had great young men and uh, terrific chemistry. It was just a, a, a great experience. And then uh, then reality set in, and I saw how, I mean, the, we lost it. Rochester in the finals in um, 1990, the year they won the national championship. Uh, uh, we split with them prior to that, and then when we played them in January, uh, we, we lost them in the finals. And they, uh, and, and those are things you don't forget. And uh, um, and uh, it's it just uh, uh, you know that first year though was was real special. And uh, and I can remember the second I, I won a, a second championship a few years later. And going to church on Sunday after uh, the tournament on Saturday night, and uh, and the priest at the end of mass uh, uh, congratulated uh, the Nazareth program for winning the tournament. I didn't even think he knew who I was. 
Uh, and uh, and it, it, I mean, that's how the community was involved. And I come to find out he was a St. John Fisher graduate. So <laughs> that was very kind and generous of him. By the way, I should say but, uh, third most wins. Bob McVeigh currently at 44 um, okay. is, a, is ahead of you. Okay. Uh, Obviously, it, this tournament has meant a lot to you as you as you retired and then and then became director. What was and you talk about the fundraising that took place with this tournament in the last uh, four years of the American Cancer Society. What was right. your goal when you took over as director to, for this tournament? Well, what did you hope well, you could make it be? Well, my thinking was this, and I talked to uh, uh, some of the athletic athletic directors about this. I said for so many years, for forty three years. Uh, the community has given to us uh, in terms of the scholarship uh, money for the schools and and the support of the program, paying for the program. I said, why don't we try to give back something to the community and help the student-athletes understand the meaning of giving and, and, and not take things for granted or develop a sense of entitlement. So why don't we try to give back to the community? And uh, and we've been able to do that, and we've raised uh, close to thirty thousand uh, dollars through the students uh, over the last seven years, and that's them doing it. We we worked with the American Cancer Society and the Hope Lodge, and and uh, so we've, uh, we've you know we haven't raised a million dollars, but we've uh, tried to make an impression on the the young student athletes what this is about. We've uh, toured the Hope Lodge in Rochester. Uh, we've had students, uh, we've had speakers come and explain to them where, where the money's going and what's going on. Uh, and it's been uh, just part of what I thought we should be doing as educators, as teachers and coaches. So that's how that came in as a part of the component of it. Um, obviously, this this tournament has had its influences <laughs> elsewhere. Many people talked about it. Uh, obviously, as being something when it was in January, of course, as being a, a staple of the turn of the year, and as you said before, conference mm-hmm. seasons got back up and running, and and when it reincarnated itself into into late November, beginning of December, obviously the conversation was just a good measuring stick at the beginning right. of the year. Um, you know, you also look at the fact that you talk about the strength of schedules and how challenging that is, and obviously not knowing who your opponents are is a mix. What I found interesting about it is you guys leave this to the coaches to determine kind of the seeding, uh, as it right. were, for the tournament. Can you explain to everybody right. how that works? Yeah, well, what we do is it's close to uh, – it was a little bit easier in January to seed the teams. But now sure. what we did yeah, – last uh, yesterday uh, afternoon I received uh, emails and phone calls from the coaches, and they gave me their seeds, one through eight. And, uh, and then we go from there, and then we put the, the – you know take the top four seeds and they're cut in stone. And then what we do is if we, we may tweak a team or two because we try to avoid conference teams playing each other in the first round. And if the two teams that are hosting happen to match up, we can't have that either. So one through four, pretty much what uh, it is, what it is there. But with the five through eight, we may have to um, make, make a switch between six and seven or five and six, something to that effect to avoid, a conference matchup or two teams that are hosting uh, would have to play each other, so we want to try to keep them at home. So that's how uh, we do the, the the seating. So tonight we'll find out at our banquet uh, who's going to be playing who, and that's always uh, an exciting part of it. Uh, it makes it a little tough uh, in terms of working with the officials because they they know where they're going and they know what time they'll be playing, but they don't know who they're going to be working for sure. or who you know at that time. 
so that that makes it kind of an exciting thing and, and uh, uh, it's been uh, it, it's been very interesting I'll tell you what's, what's what's great about this tournament in having it in the first semester is the fact that there are no easy games right in terms of that there's a lot of parity uh, a couple of years ago six of the eight teams I'm not including Roberts because they were division two but six of the seven teams I should say were either in the conference championship of the tournament or they went to the NCAA tournament or they were at worst in second place. So they were, uh, whether it was the Liberty League, the Empire 8, uh, or the Sunyx. So they were all either in the, in the championship. We had Sunny Geneseo and Brockport went to the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, I believe Hobart went to the NCAA tournament. Um, and uh, Nazareth lost in the conference championship. Uh, and then uh, uh, RIT ended up uh, tied for second in the uh, uh, in the league in the uh, Liberty League. So uh, it was um, it's a lot of parity. And what you find out, you know, there's a lot of schools that'll go out and they'll they'll try to schedule some wins. But with this tournament, you'll find out where your weaknesses are, and you'll find out where your strengths are going into conference play. Because anybody that you play in this tournament is going to be—it's going to be a competitive game, and I always thought that was great. You may not win, but you'll find out a lot about yourself and and what you need to get better at, and what you are are good at, and what you continue to need to improve at. So, um, uh, so I thought that was always a good uh, benchmark for where we are, where I was when I was coaching, as, and I thought it really did help us as we went along during the season, and, and we got better. <clears throat> And so, I, I, that's I, and it's exciting basketball. You can't uh, just show up and you're going to win. Right. You know, you're going to have to fight tooth and nail to to get a win in this tournament. We always used to measure success in this tournament if you could go two and one. And uh, you know, winning it was great. That's the the ultimate. But if you can go two and one in this tournament, you've had a good turn. Talking. Uh, go ahead. And, and that and that was always uh, kind of interesting because you know you don't want to lose, but we know how good uh, the level of competition is and how much parity there is in this, league, in this tournament. Talking with Mike Daly, the director of the 50th annual <laughs> Wendy's College Classic. Uh, we should be t- mentioning that we're pre-recorded this. Uh, we're not live on the show. He's obviously enjoying the banquet as we speak. They're announcing the brackets there. We'll be announcing them here on Hoopsville. Uh, momentarily as well, not to trump their announcements, obviously, so our timing is kind of specific. Um, before we let you go, any uh, favorites for the men or women this side that, that you see? that Have you have you got a team you think can win it, or, or do you think it's wide open? Well, I, I think that uh, as far as the, uh, on the men's side, I think uh, that St. John Fisher is off to a great start. I and mean, We've got three undefeated teams so far, St. Or excuse me, Sydney Brockport, Sydney Geneseo, St. John Fisher are all undefeated. Um, Hobart is lost once, and I think Rochester has lost once. Uh, Nazareth has lost two games, or three and two. And so, from the guy's standpoint, I, I think uh, uh, you know, uh, and Roberts, who is a Division Two program, is always going to be right there in the mix. So, and RIT is, is uh, I think they're two and two right now. So. I don't think there's anybody going into this tournament with a losing record <laughs> on the men's side. On the women's side, uh, 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 Roberts has been very good for the last few years. Uh, 
the University of Rochester has dominated the team, the, the, excuse me, the tournament over the last 10, 12 years. They, they, Jim Chibel's done a terrific job there. Geneseo with Scott Hammer is very good, and I think there's a couple other teams. Brockport is, is, is making progress. I think Nazareth will be fairly competitive, be very competitive this, this year in the tournament. So I think uh, I, 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 to pick a team would be tough. Because I mean, you got to see this to believe this, but the intensity in these games is is the intensity you get in postseason, and uh, and it it it's been great to watch and exciting to watch, and it's great basketball. Well, I, I certainly so, hope to be up there uh, maybe this weekend. That is my goal, okay. uh, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time as always to give my guests the, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to say to those who may be tuning in? I. Dave, you do a terrific job with the the D three hoops there, and it, it, I've been over the, I guess the last fifteen years you've been uh, yeah. doing a part of this. It's been a pleasure to follow it, and it's great to see the support that you give to Division three athletics because it's uh, it's a joy to, to follow you and and uh, and thank you for what you've done. Well, thank you. you well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> if I get up there to Rochester this weekend, I'll look forward to seeing you. All right, take care. Take Mike. Care. Have a great day. Bye. Absolutely. Mike Daly joining us from the Wendy's Classic. So there you have it. Mike Daly joining us from the Wendy's Classic, of course, former coach at Nazareth, as we mentioned. Uh, my graphic said he was had a record of 30 and 37 in 22 years. I did my math wrong. That's the difference. And I forgot to add the year for the season. So in 23 seasons of the Wendy's Classic, or the, the iterations of the name, uh, 30 and 37 record. He coached at Nazareth for 23 seasons. And I somehow. Uh, typoed that wrong uh, in the graphic, and nonetheless. Anyway, now time to announce the brackets um, for this tournament, um, and we were, are looking forward to seeing this. We are going to do this um, a little bit differently, if we possibly can. We're going to we're going to actually show you the brackets that we got from um, from those running things. I want to thank um, Dennis, um, uh, the sports information director at Rochester and Norm, the sports information director from St. John Fisher, who over the last six months, at some point in time, I've had a conversation with about this tournament and gave us the information. We're going to announce these via what we have on a PDF graphic, nothing fancy, just because it's easier for us to do. We certainly hope you'll, uh, uh, enjoy this. So we'll start with the men. We'll start at the top of the bracket, work our way down, and then we'll get to the women as well. Let's look at the men's bracket. And number one team is St. John Fisher. They will play a game against uh, or at Nazareth, um, and they will play number eight RIT. Um, as you can see there, uh, that is a six o'clock game for those teams. Um, this is a St. John Fisher. Obviously, we saw at Hoopsville Classic recently. Um, certainly played very good basketball there. St. John Fisher coming in uh, nationally ranked as well, as you certainly know. Uh, of course, we'll have a new poll by then, um, but as of tonight and the preseason poll, St. John Fisher sitting number 22. Uh, St. John Fisher 3-0 coming into this. They will take on RIT. Uh, excuse me as I click some buttons to make sure I have records correct. Uh, Rochester Tech comes in 2-2 two and two overall with losses to Brooklyn and Goucher and then two wins in a row to DeUville and Hamilton. So they're on a bit of a roll. Number four versus number five. This game will take place at Hobart at the same time. It is Brockport versus Rochester. 
Um, Brockport uh, State comes into this uh, with a 2-0 record with wins over St. Lawrence and Farmingdale State. They will take on the Rochester squad, certainly looking to uh, improve upon the years in the past, and they're off to a good start with a 4-1 record. A 17-point loss to Hobart to start the season, but wins over Keystone, Vassar, Nazareth, and Johnson State to go 4-1, and and obviously their game will be against Brockport, those games taking place uh, at Hobart. We scroll down to the bottom side of this bracket. Number two team is SUNY Geneseo, Geneseo State. Um, coming into this, having a pretty good game. These, this is the eight o'clock game at Nazareth. Or I should say, uh, pretty good season. Uh, Geneseo is four and zero overall with wins over Medai, Alfred, Misericordia, and Morrisville State. Um, and most of those have, all well, a couple of them have been tight, but the last two have not been. Misericordia eighty eight sixty three, Morrisville State eighty nine sixty five were the wins there. They will take on Nazareth. Uh, who has certainly been in the conversation over the years, but is off to an interesting start this year. Three and two wins over Deuville, Sage, and Bluffton to start the season, but losses to Buffalo State and Rochester um, by a total of five points in those two games. That is the 8 o'clock game, of course, at Nazareth, and, of course, Nazareth is hosting. Uh, on the bottom of that, Hobart will be um, playing Roberts Wesleyan, the Division Two. Hobart will be hosting this game, obviously. Hobart coming in as a three seed of this. They are 3-1 and one overall with wins over Keuka. They do have a 17-point win over Rochester and a win over Scranton. Certainly solid wins for the Statesmen, but a loss to Buffalo State by 20 before Thanksgiving. Certainly has some people kind of wondering what's going on. Uh, forgive me as I type in Roberts Wesleyan. Um, at, uh, basketball here because I don't have that usually fresh <laughs> uh, in this Division Three world. But Roberts Wesleyan coming in Division Two uh, and Division Three, or I should say NCAA Division Two team, zero and three on the season. Losses to Holy Family, Wilmington, and Adelphi so far this season. So there you go. Those games um, taking place um, on it, it's. Uh, forgive me, a reminder. It, those games are taking place on Wednesday, December second. Again at Nazareth and Hobart. Roberts is then hosting the consolation game. So the losers of St. John Fisher RIT uh, of that game in Brockport, Rochester will face off at Roberts. And then Geneseo, Nazareth loser, and, and Hobart's we Roberts Wesleyan loser will play at eight. Uh, those and the semifinals, semifinals and championship are at Rochester. Those are on Friday and Saturday, the 4th and 5th. So there you go on the men's side. Now let's take a look at the women's side of things. These games be taking place uh, on Tuesday, December 1st, and semifinals on Thursday, December 3rd, with a championship on the 5th. Of course, consolation rounds as well. We will do the same thing, and we will start at the top of this one. Um, and this is where you're going to see a little bit of the Division uh, two mix get a little bit more pronounced here. Um, as you will see, number 4, St. John Fisher will take on um, Brockport uh, in in this. Uh, this game is at Nazareth. Um, so St. John Fisher taking on Brockport. Brockport comes in 2-0 uh, on the season. 72-46 win over Morrisville State and a win over Deuville, 72-50. St. John Fisher on the women's side in the meantime is entering 3-0 on the season with wins over New Jersey City, Rutgers, Newark, and Wells. And most of those big. Rutgers, Newark was a tight battle. Uh, they also played Union earlier today. I don't have that score on me uh, as of yet. So that is the 6 o'clock game 
at Nazareth. William Smith is also playing host. They are playing host to the number one um, Wesley, Robert Wesleyan squad. They are the top seed in this, and obviously that makes a difference. They are 5-0 and to start the season in Division II uh, they, with a win over Cleveland State, a win over Nyack, post-university, uh, uh, two wins over them as they took them on twice in back-to-back games at two different locations, a win over uh, Georgian Court, um, and a win over Lemoyne. So uh, Roberts, Wesley, and women certainly off to a very good start. They will take on the host and the eight seed, William Smith. Of course, that's Hobart William Smith, for those of you who are not familiar with how that works. Uh, the squad is off to a 1-3 and three start with uh, losses to Rochester, Colby, and Cortland, but a win over Bridgewater State. Certainly some of those teams are not that um, um, shabby, but Colby's loss was 72-39, so William Smith certainly off to a bit of a rough start. On the bottom side of that bracket, these, this game at Nazareth, it is number three, Rochester. Um, Rochester will be taking on Nazareth College. Rochester, the three seed, is 4-0 with wins, wins over William Smith, Stevenson, Ohio Northern, and Oswego State, um, and scoring more than 65 points in all four of those contests. They will take on Nazareth, Nazareth, the six seed, this game as at Nazareth. And those game, uh, Nazareth is also off to a 4-0 start. Um, with uh, wins over York of New York, Bryn Mawr, Fredonia State, and Madai. Um, we would argue a couple of those are not world beaters, certainly, and that may be why the coaches have them six. But again, as Mike pointed out, uh, some things can adjust uh, as well uh, due to matchups and such. And then the game at William Smith at 6 o'clock, SUNY Geneseo will take on RIT. Uh, Geneseo State comes into this. Um, record of two and one overall as a two seed, a loss to Gettysburg by three, but a win over St. Joseph's and Vassar. Um, certainly an impressive start for them. They will also take on RIT, the seventh seed. RIT off to a three and zero start, so that's an interesting RIT. But Massachusetts College, Smith, and Hamilton are those wins. Of course, uh, Rochester uh, RIT was twelve and thirteen last season. So there you go with those with that bracket. Um, as we widen it out just a little bit, um, opening rounds at Nazareth and William Smith. Rochester will host the semifinals as well. Thursday for the women, Friday for the men championship, uh, first and third game, uh, third place games on uh, Saturday. Constellations will be at Roberts Wesleyan on the women's side. And then Geneseo for the fifth and seventh place games. We should point out Roberts Wesleyan will also host the Constellation game on the men's side. The fifth and seventh place games will move to St. John Fisher. So there you go, the 50th and final Wendy's Classic taking place up in Rochester. I do plan to get there. I have a reservation for a hotel if that makes it any uh, makes it worth it. Um, but we will certainly be checking many factors like weather, uh, any other snags that may keep us from getting up there. But we hope to be there for Saturday's games um, at Rochester. Um, we will we'll take in those. Uh, we may try to get over. Uh, obviously, we'll be able to see all men and women's games as a result. So we probably won't get over to the Constellation games at St. John Fisher, but anything can change. We'll see what happens. For more information, go to d3hoops.com, obviously, as we have plenty of information there. You can also go to wendyscollegeclassic.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk Hope men's basketball. There's some saying they may be the best team in the country. That's interesting. They certainly have a couple wins to prove that and a loss that's not too shabby. We'll talk to their head coach, Greg Mitchell, coming up here on Hoopsville. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. 
College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. I know and welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, not sure why, but we had some technical difficulties in the last segment. Um, and uh, we got it back up and running, but we uh, hope to solve that um, shortly down the road, uh, figure out what happened. But we're behind schedule as a result. So we're going to try and get to the next segment if I can get it to come online. What's interesting is it doesn't seem to want to. There we go. All right. So we're going to be ready to talk to our next guest. We're going to stay with men's basketball. We're going to switch to women's basketball after this and, and wrap up our show. Uh, coming up still, Lynchburg women's basketball uh, coach Abby uh, Pizik-Smith will join us, and then we'll wrap up the show later. We weren't going to go into overtime because of the technical difficulties. We'll go into overtime just a little bit tonight, but not too bad. I already got a question on uh, Twitter about women's basketball and Wash U. We'll certainly talk that. In the final segment. Now we'll talk about a team that's certainly getting some buzz as well. Number 16, Hope men's basketball team. Uh, off to a terrific start to start the season with wins over lacrosse. Uh, last year's champ, Stevens Point, by 12. Uh, beat a very good Aquinas squad, 95-61, and then lost to probably one of the best teams in NAIA. Uh, Cornerstone, 73-67. Big games coming up, so we figured we better talk to the man who's helping bring Hope back into the national spotlight, and that's their head coach, Greg Mitchell, who joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Sir, welcome back to Hoopsville, sir. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Appreciate I should it. say welcome to the show. Um, yeah. First and foremost, congratulations on the start to the season. Uh, you're in your second year, and obviously last year, 18-9, and nine, didn't finish badly, but you guys had a bit of a rougher start to the season. Guys are getting right mm -hmm. off the ground this year. Well, we are, and we certainly benefited from um, going through that last year and having uh, – you know, have a, a great crew back that went through that grind and uh, 
you know, we like where we are right now. A lot of work to do, but uh, yeah, like you said, we're off to a pretty good start, and um, just certainly want to want to push the right buttons and uh, and keep us going that path to reach our potential. I know you guys wanted to challenge yourselves. I know a lot of people in that area wanted to challenge themselves. Stevens Point mm-hmm. is on a lot of people's schedules this season. That was part of a back-to-back opening weekend for you guys, even though it was technically the second weekend of the season where you played lacrosse first uh, on a Friday night and then traveled to Stevens Point. You know, that second game's a trap game in many ways. You, know, you, got the, you got your opening game against Oshkosh, and while you might be up for the Stevens Point game, you're tired. You're traveling between those two mm-hmm. destinations, between lacrosse and Stevens Point, and you still get a 12-point victory. You had to be pleased with that result. Well, we were, we were very pleased, I'll be honest. Uh, we played with with great energy um our guys were, were looking forward to that you know i think nobody does it like coach Semling, and, I, and I, I really feel last year when we played them and, and they got us by 12 or 14 at our place it quite honestly felt like 20 or 30 they just put on a clinic uh and we talked a lot about that game and just said fellas this is a this is a team that does it the right way and kind of took notes and, and we remembered it so you know we were ready for it it meant a lot to our guys um you know we've got uh, five seniors that it was their last chance to play there, and um, so it, it was a great win. You know that he graduated quite a bit, but you know when you have a program like his, they just they reload and put great pieces back on the floor. So yeah, it meant a lot, and I think we did it the right way. We did it um, at the defensive end of the floor, played a lot of energy, and uh, had a good balance attack and from inside and out. So I know so that again, great, great way to roll. Well, I was going to say, I know that series is important to both schools. It's been around for a little bit of time. I know you guys have tweaked it to work on it to get it just right for you guys, and I know you'll still continue playing, but it's almost kind of a, a double thing for you. You you're, you want them to play Stevens Point is because, as you said, they do it the way you want to do it. At the same time, you're playing them because it certainly helps with that out-of-conference scheduling. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, you know, it, it certainly helps our, um, our opportunity. you got to win those games, though, and, and I think – you can look at it both ways. It strengthens up your schedule. Um, you know, it, it helps your ranking. But I think the other thing too, especially playing early, it, you know, it'll it'll expose you. It'll uh, let you know what you have to work on. Uh, and and that's what you want early in the season. We don't want any false hope. We certainly want to know what we've got to do to get done and and, and play. Uh, you know, play the right way to make the adjustments that we need to make. And you know, he does it. They they do it so well at both ends of the floor that uh, if you're not ready, uh, it'll certainly expose you. So uh, we love the challenge. That's for sure. You know, this is a team that certainly got plenty of talent. You took over last year after uh, former coach, you know, departed in the offseason. And you go in and get an 18-9 record with this team, as we said. Kind of a slow start to start the season. Mm-hmm. Losing three out of four. Whitewater, Stevens Point, and Aquinas beat you. Um, you got the win over Cornerstone. Uh, kind of interesting you flipped those roles yep. <laughs> this year around. Listen, we don't know a lot of Aquinas and Cornerstone in Division Three. Some say Aquinas' win kind of showed that Hope's maybe one of the best teams in Division Three. The Cornerstone loss shouldn't be taken that way because Cornerstone's probably at the top number one team in their, or, or if not number one, number two team uh, on their side of the NIIA. From your vantage point, what do we take from that Aquinas and that Cornerstone game, and how do we read into that and understand what those games meant? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I know, um, you know, we wanted to make sure we gave, you know, both opponents equal billing and, and attention. And we played very, very well Friday. I'll be honest. Um, it, it was a great bounce attack both ends of the floor. We really turned it loose the second half and got everybody involved. So that felt great. And, and we knew, um, you know, we knew what the cornerstone game was going to be like. You know, he has all his guys back from a national championship team. And uh, having beaten them last year, we knew they'd be ready. Um, I'll be honest. You know, we, 
uh, we kind of felt like we let one slip away. We led the majority of the game, probably 90-95% of the game. It just didn't finish the right way. Uh, had some real uh, just empty possessions, a few turnovers, missed some uh, key free throws, and uh, lost, lost a little focus of, of what got us to that point, which you know last night was our big. They just did a, an awesome job. Uh, you know, Harrison Blackledge and Brock Benson were, were virtually unstoppable. But, you know, credit to Cornerstone. They made some big plays, and, and I will tell you, they're extremely athletic. Uh, it's a great basketball team. We, we love the opportunity to play teams like that, and uh, we'll, we'll take a lot away from that game last night. Obviously, you have deep roots uh, with with Hope. You're, you're a graduate. You played four years for this program. Uh, you made it to the NCAA tournament, and I, I think you got as far as the Elite Eight. Um, you, you certainly know what to expect, what is expected, I should say, of Hope basketball. You know what's expected in the MIAA and the Great Lakes region. What's it mean to take over this program and now have a, a team maybe in front of you that they can do something special this season? Well, it's, it's a privilege. I'll be honest. This place means so much to me and uh, just just blessed to be in this role amongst an unbelievable coaching staff and great men to coach that come from outstanding families. Um, and, and, yeah, we're, we're in a position where we feel we can we can do something pretty special. But that being said, um, you know, I know it's, it's coaching jargon, but we've got to get better every single day. Uh, you know, our schedule is, is tough in, in our league. I mean, our league right now is, is really balanced. Um, you have to be ready every single night. Nothing, nothing can be taken for granted. I think our guys get that. I mean, there's a – a sense of resolve and commitment uh, about these guys um, that I think you need to have, you need to see. And, and we just get really good balance. It's a team that, uh, honestly, nobody cares who leads us as long as we're, uh, as we're getting the W. So, um, you know, my job and our job as a staff is to make sure we just continue to hold these guys accountable, um, build every single day. Um, it's a competitive group. It's a group that, um, yeah, that, that can be special. Uh, we certainly uh, are going to enjoy this ride and, and, and make sure we take advantage of every opportunity we have. This is a junior and senior loaded team. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is It almost feels like this is the year to take advantage of it. On the roster, you've got listed five seniors you've played four. On the roster, you have seven juniors, um, and you've played, I think, all seven. Um, mm-hmm. this feels like a team that, yes, you'll lose a bunch of seniors. You'll certainly be loaded again for next year, but you seem to have the right mix that you want to take advantage of things. Well, I think you're right. And I, and I think the key, when you say a lot, you know, we've got great depth. Um, and, and we believe in anybody we put on the floor. Our, our practices are incredibly competitive. Uh, you know, I guess I'll go back to, to Friday night against Aquinas. Uh, we had a, a substantial lead, and with you know eight or nine minutes to go, uh, we've got you know essentially five guys on the floor that, that don't get a lot of playing time, and and um, you know they're going up against Aquinas as starters, and we we were able to expand the lead, and, and we took a lot of pride in that. It meant a lot to our guys, um, and, and that's the kind of depth we have. Our, our, it makes our practices extremely competitive. So you're right. I mean, we've got a chance to do something. Our guys realize that, you know, and and as anybody knows, when you have. Uh, when you have seniors, they're going to take that jersey off for the last time when the season ends. It, it, it's special, and uh, and they're dialed in, and it means a lot to them. And uh, we're certainly going to go as far as they take us. Junior Harrison Blackledge is, is leading the team right now, 14 points a game, uh, hauling in three-and-a-half rebounds. Brock, uh, Brock Benson, the senior, 12.8 points a game and six rebounds. Uh, ben Gardner, senior, 12.5 points a game and five rebounds. Sam Otto, a senior, nine points a game. 
obviously, everybody is is doing something here. We should mention Gardner, by the way, 4.3 assists a game. Everyone's mm-hmm. doing something. You're getting a lot of depth, but it's certainly those four. Uh, and we should mention that Gardner, Ad, uh, um, Gardner Benson, and is it uh, Addison as well? Edson, yeah. Edson, sorry. All have a chance of getting a thousand career points this year. So you, I mean, you got. I mean, that just when you read that screams at me. Experience, veteran leadership. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. And I think when you get anytime you talk about a team that has a, a special season, more often than not, that description is senior leadership. And we talk about that a lot of the staff. You, know, you get guys in here that, as a freshman and sophomore, they just want to get on the floor. Maybe as a junior, they'd love to start. And, and as a senior, man, they just want to win. And uh, these guys are winners. They're guys that, that have been in a lot of battles. Um, don't have uh, you know that big, you know, championship um, label to uh, call their own in the tournament, whether it be a, a conference tournament or, or down the road. And so, you know, they set some goals pretty high. They're they're working extremely hard for them. It was a it was a great fall, you know, from conditioning to lifting to uh, everything that led into this season. And um, even though we had a little hiccup last night, I certainly like where we are. We expect a, a real resilient group tomorrow practice. And um, you know, when you have lofty goals and you're willing to put the work in that goes alongside those lofty goals, you got a chance to reach your potential, and certainly that's what we're looking for. Uh, we'll talk about conference in just a minute, but I want to talk out of conference quickly because coming up you're hosting a Midwest Challenge at the DeFoss Fieldhouse. You'll play Wheaton on Friday and Carthage on Saturday from the CCIW. Calvin, on the other side of things, will play Carthage and then Wheaton. That's a big weekend for you guys. Another nice out-of-conference setup for everything. Outside of that, after that, you'll have Platteville and probably mm-hmm. last year an underperforming Hanover squad uh, before playing out of, out of division with Grace Bible and then taking on Messiah and Beloit in Orlando. So you got an interesting mix of, of non-conference, but you've got a – I mean, you've already had a test to start the season. you got a really good test coming up this weekend. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's a great challenge, and – you know, we went to Carthage last year and played both of those teams. That's really where we felt we got some things going. Um, you know, spending time together. You make mention of the the long trip to, to Wisconsin. And, you know, I, I think those are great opportunities to build. And, and that's where we started to build last year. So we have great respect for both programs. We know they're going to they're gonna come in here and and, uh, and be excited to play in a, in a great environment. And uh, we know we're going to have to be ready for both. And we're, we're looking forward to the challenge and, and, and get things going again. Yeah, in conference, you guys are picked to win the MIAA. You finished second, two games behind Calvin last year, tri- tied with Trine, who mm-hmm. was uh, one win less than you guys in the overall record. And then Alma and the rest were kind of lurking. What to expect from this season? If you guys don't win the conference, who who can win the conference? Well, that's a great question, and, and you know, hopefully we do. But if we you know, we know it's not going to be easy, I think. Uh, what Trine brings back and, and what Alma brings back is just a lot of experience, a lot of talent. You know, the experience thing, like you had talked about, you know, on Calvin's Calvin, they graduated a bit, but, you know, Coach Bannistry gets those guys to compete and rebound and defend so well. Um, you know, and on down the line, I mean, we had, if you check our scores from last year, you know, the, the team at the bottom of our conference is, is within a possession of the team at the top of the conference on a given night. So uh, we love the balance. We love the idea that you got to be ready to go every single night, especially on the road. Um, so, hey, hey, we hope when the dust settles, it's us. But uh, nothing will be taken for granted. We know we've got to be ready every single night, and uh, that's what we're prepared to be. Is there a dark horse in this conference? I don't know if there's a dark horse or not. I, I You know, I, I mentioned Alma, I think, uh, as well as Sam had those guys playing last year at the end of the season, and he literally has everybody back. Uh, 
again, I don't know if that's a dark horse, but that's a, a very, very dangerous team that uh, that can play. And um, you know, Coach Miller trying to get his guys to play so hard and so efficiently and disciplined. Again, probably not a dark horse, but but guys that uh, we certainly know that can uh, get the job done. You guys missed out on the NCAA tournament last year, going 18 and nine overall. Granted, mm-hmm. you had um, two of those games against non-division three opponents, and certainly. Tide has changed a lot there. Calvin still plays quite a few non-Division threes. You have three of them in your schedule. You two kind of known for not playing Division threes only because of where you're located. Obviously, Aquinas and Cornerstone yep. are around the corner. Um, there's there's reasons for that. But I got a sense, especially looking at this schedule and looking at the past schedules and such, that a little of the mentality has changed. And you talk about traveling a little bit. Have you guys said, listen, yeah, we got to schedule a few more D3s, and is there ever going to be a time that you don't play Aquinas and Cornerstone? Well, as of now, that's, that's, we're, we're planning on continuing that. I know um, they're, they're close. You know, like you said, proximity has a lot to do with it and budget. Uh, it is a challenge to play uh, all D3s where we're located and stay within budget. Uh, you know, next year we're planning on heading to um, Wisconsin Stout to start the season. So, you know, we for us it's a balance. Um, the Aquinas Cornerstone games are fun. They're, they're good, you know, uh, close rivalry games. So as of now, I think those will continue. But um, you know, scheduling is not a perfect science, and right. we got you know, all kinds of factors to consider. But uh, right now, we like it because it's demanding, it's tough, and it certainly prepares us for our conference schedule. Now, that is certainly the case. Uh, conference schedule obviously doesn't really kick off and get in earnest until January 6th. You'll play out of conference between now and then. Um, and we certainly look forward to seeing you. Obviously, a trip to Orlando. Nothing wrong with that uh, right after no. Christmas. Uh, I would say, considering your location to Lake Michigan, which is uh, knocking on the door at Lake Michigan, <laughs> uh, that might be one of the smarter moves. The question is whether you get there and whether you get back. <laughs> exactly. Well, our guys are looking forward to it. They, they, you know, they deserve that. And anybody that knows uh, being on this side of Lake Michigan, uh, we just get blistered. So. Yeah. Uh, if we can find the sun a little bit and find some warmth, um, it's going to be a great reward. It'll be fun to, to play down there. We've got a good alumni base. And um, the neat thing about the trip, too, is our women's program is going. So we're yep. going to play some doubleheaders with our women. And, and that will be a pretty cool experience to, to be a coach Morehouse's group. Yeah, it'll be fun to see you guys all down there. Uh, certainly yeah. staying warm uh, compared to everybody else. Before I let you go, if I've asked this on a couple of coaches, but if we were to walk into the locker room and look at the grease board or the chalkboard and it's got the goals of the season on there, what's the number one goal? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, we're, we're, trying to, um, we're trying to hold these guys to a very, very high standard. In all honesty, what we have on our board right now are, are um, – you know, all-time records, records of Hope's past teams in certain categories. And uh, not to say that this is the greatest Hope basketball team of all time, but yet we want these guys to understand what the bar is, and, and, and we believe in these guys. So we're trying to track where we are just in relation to the, the guys that have taken the court, represented Hope the right way, and played to their potential. That's our goal, and if we fall short of some of those, I think we can live with the results. But, uh, again, you, you shoot for a lofty, lofty, goals and uh, and then you see where you, you settle in but uh, love this team love our coaching staff and uh, certainly love the path that we're on and, and can't wait to see where we can take this thing very good well thank you so much for joining me on the show I certainly appreciate it good luck the rest of the way especially this weekend with Wheaton and Carthage as always though we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in well first of all, I just appreciate the opportunity um, I have such an affinity for whole basketball and you give us the time to, to talk about it is it, uh, is a blessing and um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's a great place. We're uh, we're expecting some great things from our from our uh, from our guys. And uh, again, just uh, just appreciate the chance to talk about whole basketball. Thank Absolutely. You very much. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the start to the season. We'll look forward to uh, keeping track of the Flying Dutchman the rest of the way. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Greg Mitchell joining us from Hope. Again, off to a 3-1 and one start. That one lost to Cornerstone by six. Uh, those games all took place in Grand Rapids where, obviously, Calvin is located at Cornerstone University. They, they beat Coquinas the night before. Of course, a win over Stevens Point. Nothing shabby about that. Wheaton and Carthage coming up. Certainly good tests for them as well. By the way, Stevens Point off to a 3-1 and one start. That Hope loss, that are only blemish on the season. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball. We'll head down to Virginia, talk to an alum who's bringing our program maybe to bigger and better things this season. Lynchburg's expected or at least picked to win the ODAC. Can they do it? Their biggest opponent they've already done with for the season, believe it or not. We'll talk to Abby um, Smith coming up here on Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville after this with... Lynchburg's head coach, and of course, coming up, we'll wrap up the show after that. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the NABC. Back with more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show post-Thanksgiving, obviously. First time we're on Sunday after Thanksgiving. Of course, we've been on the air a few Sundays here. Uh, we'll be through the rest of the uh, of the 2015 part, actually all the way through the rest of the season, except for some holidays, obviously. Uh, if we didn't normally do this, uh, we'd have two more shows left to go here in 2015 on Thursdays. Um, we're kind of glad we added Sundays because there's certainly a lot to talk about. 
in Division Three basketball. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Going to switch gears, talk women's basketball, and certainly we could talk to the to the favorites and talk to the top teams in the top 25, but we're going to have all season to talk to them. Some of these newer, earlier shows, we get a chance to talk to other coaches and other teams that will be making headlines in some capacity or another, and one of those certainly is out of Yodak. The men's side certainly gets a lot of national attention, as there's always teams vying to get deep in the national championship. On the women's side, things are slowly evolving probably in that direction. Want to talk to talk to them and see what's going on? You have a couple choices. You could talk to Eastern Mennonite. You could certainly talk to some of the Stallworths in the conference. We wanted to talk to the team that the coaches have felt will win the ODAC this season. Not that there's any pressure there. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, we should say Skype via Skype. Abby Pisek Smith, Lynchburg's head coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time, and thank you for this season's first. Skype interview. We appreciate you uh, using we the like technology. To be number one. We like yeah. to be number one. <laughs> I'm not that surprised. Uh, I think when we had Lynchburg's men on last year, we were Skyping it as well. Well, good. Uh, let's talk about the season so far. Off to a 3-2 and two start. You're 1-0 in conference. We'll get to that in a bit. With a win over William Smith, a win, a, a loss, surprising loss maybe by 19 to Mary Washington, uh, uh, a win over Stevens, a loss to Denison by 23, and then that win against Eastern Mennonite. Uh, we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the losses quickly, because apparently is early in this season when you guys lose you guys lose good <laughs> I, uh, I mean 67 48 to mary washington 59 36 to dennison is this one of those where eh, we're not gonna win forget it <laughs> no you know it's been a roller coaster i kind of that's how i explain it and uh i've kind of seen two teams so far and we always talk to our, our team about finding our identity in these first two months in november and december before we're in full swing of conference play and so we're definitely taking full advantage of doing that and i can honestly say i've never had a team that's one big and then um, drop so low the next game. And I, I think the key for us right now is that, you know, we are a very strong team-wise, basketball-wise. We don't have that one. You know, we graduated Shane and Allen last year that was very offensive-minded um, and really carried a lot of that weight. And when we hit a little bit of, of adversity on the offensive end, we've kind of struggled to respond on that. And I think it's just taken us a few games to kind of figure that out. And the last four teams we played have been, you know, uh, history-wise NCAA contenders. And so I think it's been a really good test to see where we are and a really good test to see how we respond to that. And now it's just to kind of find that consistency. We know what we can do when we're great, and we're trying to just get to that um, as a norm. Well, the game against Mary Washington, you shot 22.5% from the floor, yeah. 13 for 58. Against Denison, you shot uh, 14 for 59 at 23.7%. Of course, against Eastern Mennonite, uh, you guys shot 43%. Clearly, and, and as everyone would know, looking at a box score, that can be indicative of what's going on. Clearly, you had two really bad shooting nights. Right, right. And I think, you know, we've we figured out to kind of run our offense a little deeper to work on different things um, along those lines and to do a lot of the different uh, little things that um, create that offensive success. And so instead of kind of trying to go one-on-one, we've really tried to balance ourselves and work as a team to kind of get through those those lumps or those slumps when it comes to our shooting. And so um, I feel like we're growing in really positive steps, and I'm excited to kind of see where we go as we get into – um, this last stretch in December and then into January. You also played a kind of a wide 
plethora of teams, let's call it. Uh, William Peace, not exactly known for making headlines in Division Three, nine and 16 last year, five and 20 the year before, haven't had more than 11 wins, or the most they've had are 11 wins back in 2009. They're off to, though, a three and one start, um, though nothing uh, of substance. Uh, obviously, you guys are about the toughest team they had on that. Mary right. Washington, of course, is always a perennial favorite. Uh, you, you would expect them to win 20 games. If they don't, they come darn close. Uh, Denison is certainly a solid team, but all over the place. But usually, 20 win season though 15 and 12 last year, 13 and 13 uh, back in 2013. Um, and of course, Eastern Mennonite, who's been coming along, been winning 20 games pretty regularly here for about five years. So you kind of had an easy one there with William Peace, and then you challenged yourself with Mary Washington and Denison, uh, and then into conference play. I would suspect that if you had your druthers, William William Peace isn't necessarily the team you want to start with, but at the same time, I can probably see a mentality of at least getting out the door. Right. You know, I think it was a really, we were able to give our freshmen some, uh, some time a little bit early um, and to get everybody kind of in sync um, and to get that first win. And so I think that was a really great um, place to kind of go on the road and do that. And that environment there is a uh, pretty tough. Um, it's a small gym. They pack it. It's yeah. real loud. Um, and, and historically in the past, it's always been rather close for us. Even when we've had really successful years, we've just struggled mentally doing that. And they're a very athletic, quick team, which we'll see, you know, when we get to the Virginia Wesleyans, um, and EMU and, and, and teams like that. And so I think our mentality was to kind of, you know, get our feet wet, getting going that way until we knew we had this, um, pretty big stretch in front of us of playing some really top contenders. Um, your team is, is somewhat young. you got three seniors on it, um, and you have a couple of them leading the way, but you also have a couple sophomores leading the way so far this season. Obviously, Janie Forbush is, is a leader on the squad, 12 points a game. Uh, she's also hauling down five-and-a-half rebounds a, a game. She's a senior, certainly. Um, but you have two sophomores, and forgive me if I, if I screw this up, but Olivia DeFrancesco, 10 points a game. Carolyn Nauman, 10 points a game. And then another senior in Sammy Goldsmith at 8 points a game. Of course, Nauman also holding down about 7 rebounds a game. Again, early in the season, but certainly an ind- indication there you've got a mix of, of senior leadership and some, and some youth that are going to help you this season. Definitely. I think, you know, when you look at our roster, we have five upperclassmen, juniors and seniors wise, and then uh, three sophomores and then seven freshmen. So we're pretty 50-50 on freshmen to returners. And we're really excited because, as you can see, you know, our seniors are leading the way and every day they're learning their leadership to um continue to push and push for that consistency on the floor regularly. And then we've had really great help in our sophomores. I've been really proud of Olivia and Caroline both stepping up. Um, They've had great impact in our games um, against some great teams. And so that confidence that they've brought carried over to our EMU win um, this past Tuesday. And we're really excited about their growth. And, And then we're really excited about our freshman class. I think that's the one thing that um, our seniors and our upperclassmen do a great job of they really mentor our young ones very solidly. And so, you know, one of the reasons why Olivia and Caroline are stepping up so well after a year is because they followed and, and learned our system and figured that out. And so we're really excited about our depth as it grows. And, you know, youth keeps us fresh and old heads keep us very strong and know what that experience is and what they need to do night in, night out. And have had their feet wet on different uh, floors. And so we're trying to use that blend to really push us um, at any given night. And I think at any given night, any of those players can step up. You, of course, have a, a unique opportunity. I mean, you're in, what, your sixth season, I think, at Lynchburg, if memory serves. It is. Um, and, but 
Yeah, obviously a graduate of Lynchburg, uh, a member of their Hall of Fame class of 2014. And of course, uh, a 2004 graduate. You were a two-time ODAC champ, or uh, uh, honoree, I should say. First team, I think, once in those. Um, but then you went off to other divisions. I did. You, I did. You, you left and went to a Division two school for a year, then a Division one school for several years, and then came back to Division three at Washington and Lee in the conference for a couple of years as an assistant. It's kind of a different route. Usually you know, D1 assistants don't tend to come back to Division three as assistants. Kind of tell us about your career path and, and what it's taught you and, and why that path in particular. Sure. You know, um, I, I had a great experience here as a player and and left and actually had an opportunity to stay. And uh, I really wanted, I didn't actually know I wanted to get into coaching right off the bat. I had done my undergrad in athletic training and had worked with a lot of coaches while I was here. And my first job when I went D2 um, out to Indiana, I kind of grown up watching Hoosiers um, <laughs> and really wanted an adventure and was just ready to do that. I'm one of five, so family is really big and had been close to home for a while and branched out to Virginia and then wanted to go to Indiana and uh, went out there. There were more railroad tracks than stoplights. Yes. It was a whole different culture. It was very, you know, transition wasn't there. It was hold the ball and move it and very fundamental and was just a really great experience. And while I was there, I, I taught, I did AT and I coached. And during that year, I really figured out my passion was in coaching. Um, and then I had done a bunch of summer camps um, while I was actually a player at Lynchburg. And one of those places was at Davidson College. And uh, and so the end of my first year, I got a phone call from their staff saying, hey, we have a third assistant spot open. We remembered you. Um, we'd really like you to come apply for this. And I also love the state of North Carolina, which a lot of my <laughs> players on my roster are from. And um, decided, hey, this is a great opportunity. I need to, to jump on that. And so went over there and had a great three years. Um, had the you know one of the winningest seasons in program history on the women's side which the NIT and was there when Stephen Curry was there during his career so that was really an unbelievable time I really enjoyed myself and Davidson is very D3 like it's not a huge school um, yeah. it's very similar to the D3 world so to me while it says D1 it was very similar to that D3 family tradition oriented um, feel and so after three years I had a chance to stay and I actually people think I'm crazy I turned it down um, I just mm. I knew my heart was kind of in coaching I knew I wanted to be a d3 coach I knew I kind of wanted that balance in my life and um, went to Washington and Lee which uh, worked under a really great mentor Mandy King who's not at Kane and um, you know was there for two years we won a championship and then Lynchburg opened up and I'm really a big believer that everything happens for a reason uh, and you know, came here and, you know, we weren't very, very great when I got here. It was <laughs> a battle and I'm pretty competitive. So those first uh, two years were tough. And uh, Shannon Allen was in that first class. And then we built in with Sammy uh, Cheney and Sarah Kuhn in the senior class um, and really jumped in that third year. And this senior class with a winning season um, will be the first class in program history that will have four winning seasons. And so we've really try to make that impression to create a winning tradition here and really excited about what we've built. And I think I have the best job working for your alma mater and being able to give everything it's given to you every day. And, um, you know, sometimes I want to jump onto the court in my heels and play myself, but realize those days are over. And, um, <laughs> but I think my players share that passion. We've all worn the Jersey. My, one of my assistants is an alum. And so we really truly love Lynchburg. And I think that's been a really big push in our success. 
Uh, we should point out you grew up in Maryland, uh, outside of Baltimore. Of course, went to school in Baltimore. And by the way, when we say you went to school in Baltimore, we're not talking college. We are talking <laughs> high school. After 20-some-odd years here, I'm still learning that. Um, and then off to Lynchburg, as you point out. I think the elastic band from, for leaving uh, your, your family's nest is about eight, nine hours uh, as right. you got as far away as Indiana right. and then came, right. came back. Um, you talk about the ODAC and certainly getting to know it as a player, getting to know it when you're an assistant at WNL and now as a head coach. Um, you, you, just, you guys fell in the conference championship last year to Virginia Wesley and missing out on making the NCAA tournament. This year, you're picked to be number one in this conference. Um, you've played your biggest foe already, at least in the rankings, and that's Eastern Mennonite, in the only game that you will play them in the unbalanced schedule. What has that game told you about your team? What's it telling you about what this ODAC might be like? Well, you know, I think that the ODAC is a really special league, and I think it's continued to raise the bar competitively over the years since being a player to an assistant. Um, It's really, you know, it's had some really special teams in the past, and I know it will continue to have special teams in the future. And, you know, we knew Tuesday was really important, and we had, um, I'm a big person on preparation, and so we had played, that game was three games in four days for us, and we had specifically scheduled that because our ODEC tournament is three games in four days. And um, and so we really prepared that like we would be going into the championship, playing an EMU, playing a top team in our conference. And we had learned a lot about ourselves that weekend. And we knew, you know, EMU hadn't lost on their floor since February 11, 2012 to an ODEC school. And so we knew coming in, we were, you know, not only, you know, taking the target on our back, um, but also going to have to break a little history on EMU's end. And I thought our character and our trust amongst ourselves and how we were, I mean, the first half, it was 23 to 22. I mean, we took, it was a good assault. They were hitting shots. We were hitting shots. Um, and then I really th- thought we kept punching consi- consistently and showed a lot of grit down the stretch. And um, it showed a lot of character of my team. And and that depth is is huge for us as we go forward because we'll have other really tough road games ahead. Uh, when we travel to Macon, when we travel to Wesleyan, when we travel to Emory and Henry, who's 4-0 right now. Um, and we've seen a glimpse of Guilford and know what they're bringing. And they're very tough as well, too, right now. And so um, we're really excited to get that one under our belt um, and very proud of it and and know that that was a, a big push in our um, in our in our tradition and our history here um, to keep continuing to build and, and break ground. Yeah, you look at this conference schedule uh, or non-conference schedule outside of this. You played Eastern Mennonite. night. You've got a game against Ferrum coming up tomorrow. Uh, you'll play Salem later in the week at home, Virginia Wesleyan, then uh, on the weekend in a conference game, then back out of conference against Averett, take a couple weeks off, play North Carolina, Wesleyan, and Meredith, and then you'll get back into conference play. No trips, no tournaments necessarily involved here, though you did just finish one, obviously, with Stevens and Denison uh, in, the, in Greensboro, North Carolina a weekend ago. What was the mentality with the scheduling this year? You know, uh, we went to Puerto Rico last year, which was awesome. It was really awesome. And we'd love to be able to do that every year. Um, I think, you know, we try to take our seniors home. That's one philosophy I have as a coach. And so that Guilford trip was to take uh, Sammy Goldsmith and Sarah Kuhn home to their family. So while we were there, we were also able to go to their house and have dinner with their families and and have our parents there and, and really start bonding as a team. And um, and then we went, you know, forward with our conference schedule and, and went forward. We have a, a trip planned next year as well, and uh, we'll continue to build on those trips. But we're excited to, you know, 
continue to play as many games as we can before we get into conference play. And this week we have three games in six days, but, um, and two, you know, tomorrow's a big region game. And then, uh, Wednesday and then on Saturday we we play you know the team that took us down last year so we've been itching to get um, a chance to play them as well and um, so we're we're excited about our schedule you know we try to play very strong teams and I think getting to tournaments like we did and playing the Mary Washes um, you know continues to make us better as we play the best. When you talk about this conference uh, you know again on the men's side nationally it's considered one of the top five. Uh, mm-hmm. You always have teams in the top 25. You always have teams who make it to the NCAA tournament, multiple teams, one year four. Uh, you always have teams that somewhat go deep. Uh, obviously, we had Virginia Wesleyan last year making it all the way to the Final Four after beating Randolph-Macon in the Elite Eight. On the women's side, that's not the case. Um, you know, you guys have good teams, but don't make it deep in the tournament. Don't tend to get multiple bids in there. Don't really are considered one of the top five on the women's side. How much is that maybe changing? How much is that a topic of conversation when you coaches get together? Oh, hands down. I mean, I think we know that we want to continue to push to get into that top five. And we know that our men have dominated for a long time. So that name for the ODAC is very strong on that end. Um, I think we continue to want to get stronger. And, you know, that's something that we talk about a lot as um, as coaches when we get to our you know beginning of the year and end of the year meetings. And, uh, you know, we want to win the, the ODAC, but then we also want to get deep into the NCAA tournament. And I think last year and the year before, we were able to get two in with Virginia Wesley and EMU being last year. And, um, you know, EMU being able to win that first round game. And, you know, we'd like to see us get further. And so that's definitely a push as we go forward is to, you know, play top teams and then be able to get into the NCAA tournament and compete for a national championship. And, uh, We've been really lucky at Lynchburg to have last year we had two teams get to the national championship, one being women's soccer to win it, and then the other being men's lacrosse as a runner up. And so uh, for us, our players have seen what that looks like. And so there's been a really big taste in our mouth. And I know that drives us a lot um, to being the best and what that takes to do that. When you look at this conference and where it is going, uh, or you look at the the region really and where it's going, you mentioned Mary Washington; they're not that far away. Mm-hmm. Can can the the balance of the national power swing a little bit towards the east, a little bit towards the south? Is there teams that can? Is Mary Washington, who you played, capable of maybe winning and knocking a, a, a school like Thomas More off, or is the women still kind of top heavy? You know, I think that I think, you know, playing Mary Wash early on and I know they're 4-0 right now and very strong too. I was very impressed with Mary Washington. I thought, you know, you know, we obviously weren't happy with our performance, but I thought they their speed, the way they executed, uh their defense, the way they made us shoot ball shots that we might not want to take. I'm really excited to see how they develop and I'm really excited to see where they go and I definitely think they might at this point, um, be a step above us when it comes to that. And, you know, it's been great to be able to play them because we know where we need to get along those lines um, to be there as well. But um, I'm excited. I think that Mary Watch definitely has a chance to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see how this region grows by the end of the year to see where we can we can get to. And um, I definitely always think I think it's always a little top heavy, but um, we're fighting to get up there as well. Lynchburg College come a long way too. Uh, women's soccer national, you know, national champs last season. Obviously, won't happen this year, but the season before, um, men's lacrosse got to the championship game. 
Um, obviously, you know, men's basketball has been coming along. You, know, you have other sports that have sit, certainly taken a step forward. How much has the culture changed in just the 10 years since you've graduated? It's been huge. I mean, I think that it's changed dramatically. I think there are phenomenal coaches in our department, and we all are very supportive of each other's programs. I'm not sure that's the case in a lot of places, and we're very lucky to have that. Um, I know Coach Scott and I have a great relationship along those lines. Um, my players work out and are very close to the women's soccer team, so I know that is a great influence for them and knowing what it takes to get to that level. Um, you know, and so it has really grown in a, a tremendous way. We've got new leadership in our new athletic director who is now into his second year and really pushed us to new steps along those lines as well um, to give us the ability to compete at a national level. And uh, so we're really excited about our future. I truly believe, and I tell this to our um, recruits and to other families that come through, Lynchburg College's best days are ahead of us. I truly believe that. And uh, we're really excited about what that vision is and what that future is. And, um, you know, while we, you know, while we build and, and put into place, you know, with our student athletes, we have great mentors around that in our coaching staff. And I think that's the biggest thing is in creating really strong young men and women going into the real world. And so we're really excited and think we have one of the best jobs in the country. Uh, we have. Well, let's talk about the women's rules real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, those are obviously the other big factors involved. Uh, how much has that changed things and how much are you uh, are still adjusting, as it were? You know, I keep telling people, I can't remember rules changing this much when I played. Um, <laughs> no, I'm they like, didn't. I just might be missing my memory or I, my coach didn't tell me. I just said to keep playing. But uh, I feel like every other year they're changing them. I and I know it's to develop our game and things like that. And it's definitely keeping us on our toes. I mean, going to the quarters and our periods, as I should say. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, don't get me little, started. <laughs> make sure I'm technical on that. Um, is definitely a little different you know I think you know the thought process behind it was maybe to get a few more last second shots up and to create the game and you know it definitely is a little different I think the biggest adjustment for me as a coach has been my time game management of timeouts um, that's been the biggest thing that shifted a little bit if you don't use one one goes away and you know there are a few less than we had in the past and so I think that's probably on the coach's end, one of the biggest game management signs. And then obviously the advancement role on bringing that up um, is actually pretty fun. I really enjoy that role. I think that's um, a neat role to have. I know it kind of piggybacks the NBA and what they do. Um, and, you know, so constantly keeping on our toes and evolving us and, and pushing us in that direction of where they, you know, want us to go in that vision. And so our players have adjusted. We always have a, a rules practice and all of those things to go over all of those things. But I think our team has adjusted really well. And, you know, basketball is a great game. It's going to keep going forward no matter what those rules are. So as long as we get our game management tables all set up <laughs> and things like that and all the craziness of keeping that in order, I'm um, really excited about our future. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know it took a good chunk of your time, but I appreciate you uh, joining us and chatting about uh, women's basketball, the ODAC, and obviously Lynchburg. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be watching? Well, Dave, I just want to thank you for all you do. I think you know having a, a site completely dedicated to D3 is amazing, and uh, you're located in Baltimore, which is a little more close to home to me as well, <laughs> and, and all of those things. But really want to thank you for all your efforts in following us, and I know my players and our parents and our fans uh, really appreciate that um, if you don't hear it enough. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll be talking to you at some point, even if it's off air. Uh, look forward to seeing how the Hornets do the rest of the way. 
Thanks so much, Dave. Abby, joining us, Abby Isaac Smith, I should say, joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate her taking the time. When we come back, we wrap up Sunday's show. Look ahead at what we may be covering on Thursday. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoops Hope, right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division III allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate, in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank all our guests for being on the show as well. Uh, first Top 25 comes out tomorrow. I have my 12 pages of information to vote on. Might even find a team outside of here. But everybody and everybody. I mean, heck, you know, teams like WPI off to a 5-0 start. Weren't they supposed to be down this year? I mean, they have the win over Eastern Connecticut. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy vote. Uh, it's the best I can tell you. Um, thought the preseason poll was tough. This one's gonna be pretty tough too. On the women's side of thing, of a tweet came across to us that wanted to talk about Washu women's basketball big win over DePaul. I don't think well, I don't think the win was all that surprising. I think that was probably to be expected. Um, I mean, top 25, you look at it, and WashU is ranked number nine, and DePaul is ranked number 19 in the preseason poll. I think the score 47-41 might have been the most indicative part of that. Um, great defense. Of course, the Twitter asked me, he says, lockdown defense by WashU. Listen, I don't expect anything else from Nancy Fay. Of course it was lockdown defense. Uh, yes, DePaul only scoring 41 is surprising, but this isn't that championship DePaul squad. Nothing against this squad, but this isn't that team that made it so far several years in a row and won national championships. It, this is a different squad. This isn't on the same level. They're good. Oh, well, they're very good. 
but not on that level. Of course, Wash U is Wash U. I mean, they're, they're it's amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, look at the women top of women's basketball. Thomas Moore right now not playing with Sydney Moss. While an investigation apparently is going into some type of potential um, um, violation, NCA violation. D don't know officially what that is. No one's talking. Um, but they're winning anyway. Beat Ohio Northern yesterday. Excuse me. Amherst is number two. I find that a little surprising. I don't know if the voters knew that some of the top players for Amherst weren't back this year. A couple of their inside presidents didn't return, but they're still winning. Did you expect anything else from G.P. Gromacki? Uh, Tufts, George Fox, NYU undefeated, uh, Oshkosh undefeated. Then we hit some losses, Bowden in a rough stretch. So, you know, Washington's going to be top six, top seven tomorrow. Top seven probably. I, I, I can't see them replacing the six. But they're tough. Men's basketball all over the place. I mean, you 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 look at Hope. Some people talked about it. Said, "Hey, this is a national championship quality team," and I don't disagree. They lost a Cornerstone by six. They spanked Aquinas. I know those are not Division three schools, but good reference. Tough weekend coming. Good test weekend right here. Good test weekend. Benedictine beat two CCI beat three CCIW teams. Two of them weren't nationally ranked. Should they be top twenty five? Yeah, probably. How weird is it that they're not even playing anybody but the CCIW and the NACC this season? It's just it's odd. But I'm looking at the back of the of the season. You know, do we do we make anything of St. Mary's at three and two? No, probably not. Not losses to Carroll and Guilford. Texas Lutheran's five and one with a loss to Pacific Lutheran. Do we? What do we think of Pac Lou, who's four and one? By the way, somebody was voting for Trinity, Texas. They're off to an 0-5 start on the men's side. Someone was voting for them. Pac Lou, again, 4-1. Their one lost to non-Division three Portland State and was a smoking. They haven't really played anybody else. Do... Oh, I'm sorry. They lost to Chicago. It was close. Four points. Chicago's not really living up to expectations early. Penn State Barron's 3-0. Rhode Island College, who a lot of people thought was going to be good, off to a one and four start. MIT's four and two. NYU's four and zero. Oh, but let's be honest, they played Purchase, Moravian, Acadian, Mass College. Acadia's five and one, and they beat them by three. Acadia's good. That might be a good win for NYU, but that's it. Northwestern continuing that run from last year, huh? Five and zero oh start to the season with wins over Gustavus, Adolphus, Hamlin, or Hamline, I should say, Marion, Concordia, Moorhead, and McAllister. Okay, but they're still winning. John Carroll's 5-0. and It's going to be a crazy vote. Ballots are due tomorrow. Got some homework to do. If you've got any last-second questions, get them to us now at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on your Twitter account. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, I noticed some sports information directors on a, on a page I follow on Facebook complaining about the length of women's games. Some of them are not necessarily Division III uh, um, SID, so I don't know their background or their, or their uh, reference. But I went to only one so far women's game this year, and that game moved. Now, that being said, the referees weren't calling much. I was a little disappointed that they weren't sticking to the uh, rules a little bit. They were a little allowing a little bit stuff that should be allowed, but it didn't get in the way of the game. That game was done in like an hour and a half, less than, 
less than an hour and a half, moved. Very weird to get used to those quarters. Very weird to look up at the clock and go, wow, there's only two minutes left. So that's different. And then to switch to a men's game after that, which I then helped call, very different. And the men's game drags a little bit more as a result of it. Granted, it's one example. I can't say that's for sure. I'm going to have to go to other doubleheaders and really experience it, see a women's game maybe that's called a little bit closer to how the game should be called. Um, by the way, I saw something funny on the chat boards. I see this all the time. Uh, and maybe one day it'll it get bad enough that it's a rant. But I love how people are like, well, the only thing that was uneven on the box score was the number of fouls called. Team X had like 10 more fouls called on them than Team Y. Could someone please point to me in the rules book where it says both teams' rule uh, foul numbers have to be somewhat even? Someone, someone show that to me in the rule book. Any rule book, any sport. If you could show that to me, I'd greatly appreciate it. I hate people who point the scoreboard. Hey, ref, it's 10 to 4. It's not fair. It's not how it works, folks. Anyway, saw that on the chat boards. Kind of got gave, gave me a kick out of it. Uh, you got a few things. Let's see. Uh, coming up, we got a lot of stuff on our list of, of segments we want to do. Did anyone read the Caltech article in Sports Illustrated? I've read some of it. It's terrific. Longer version online. Um, we may be talking Caltech basketball in the near future. Um. The schedule as it is now, um, I know I said in a previous segment we talked about this at the beginning of the show. We ran out of time and did not. We'll be on the air this Thursday the 3rd, then Sunday the 6th, back on the air the 10th, back on the air the 13th. Then we're off on a Thursday and back the 20th. So we have um, one, two, three, five shows left. Fifth, or third, 6th, 10th, 13th, and 20th. So five shows left in 2015 before we will take a two-week break and be back on the air on January 3rd. Granted, we'll be at the Hoopsville or the D3 Hoops Classic in Vegas, Pat, Gor- Pat Gordon and myself. So we'll obviously have some interviews and stuff out there. But um, think about it. If we had not added Sunday shows um, to this part of the season, we would have a show on Thursday the 3rd, Thursday the 10th, and then be off until January 3rd. That's three and a half weeks. So that's the biggest reason we came back or we brought Sundays back into this part of the season. So we will be on the air Thursday and, and then Sunday, then Thursday, then Sunday, and then a week off, then Sunday, and then uh, two weeks off. If you've got guest ideas, let us know. If you've got questions for us, let us know, etc. Top 25s come out next week again, or I mean on Monday again. Uh, looking forward to that. Not much else to report. Uh, we've, we've pretty much covered it. We'll see what the top 25s do. We'll see what goes on Thursday. I may be up at the Wendy's Classic next weekend. My plans are to do that. i got to double-check weather. i got to double-check some other things going on in Division Three. check some other things going on here in the in the Baltimore area before I finalize those plans. But I will go up for Saturday's day of games at Rochester would be my plan. not going to go up for Friday's games. I could probably make it there, but let's not put any pressure on me. Uh, but I can then see two two women's games and two men's games on Saturday. You want to talk about some confusion on Saturday at Rochester? We're going to have a women. I think it's what a women's game, men's game, women's game, men's game. So we're going to be alternating the schedule completely. I, I think that's how it is. If not, still <laughs> talk about confusion. But my first time the Palestra should I, we be there again? We'll be on the air Thursday. Lots to talk about. We'll get that all covered for you. I want to thank my guests for uh, coming on the show. 
included former Nazareth head coach and Wendy's classic director, um, um, sorry, Mike Daly. I want to thank him for appearing on the show. Also want to thank um, Benedictine men's basketball coach uh, for joining us uh, on the show as well. Um, Benedictine, I mean, that's that's a great story right there. But Keith Bunkenberg joining us on the show. We appreciate him taking the time. Greg Mitchell from Hope. And, of course, Abby Pizek-Smith from Lynchburg for appearing. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it. We're going to be back on the air Thursday. Lots to cover. Lots to get through. Obviously, football is going strong as well. So don't forget to check out the D3Sports.com websites, D3Football.com, D3Hoops.com, D3Hockey.com. And hopefully a couple of big announcements to come as well. We'll be updating the site a little bit. We've tweaked it already. We're going to make some more tweaks. Don't forget, podcast available on iTunes now. So you can easily download your podcast if you don't do it through SoundCloud already. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. I want to thank them for their support. If you have questions for us, guest ideas, etc., or want to just interact with us, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Before we go, I wanted to shout out to University of New England, by the way. They got a win over Bowdoin. They've started the season 3-0 and on the women's side as well, including a win over Southern Maine. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll catch you later. See you Thursday starting at 7 o'clock. Good night, everybody.